There's a thing that we go to every group, couple group of friends uh-huh. has inside jokes, and there's something that we always go to when we're talking about an enterprise, be it usually artistic, that is clearly you you have lost perspective. Sure. And and I, I just want to say it right now because it, it's become the shorthand for us. Yeah. But I'll get there in a second. Where you are just continuing in something, and it's clearly not going to be profitable and yet you can't walk away from it yeah and it comes from Patton oswalt's uh 2008 it was a while ago now just before bush so it must have been 2007 2006 sure no reason to complain comedy special uh-huh. where he talks about the people who get uh, i want a famous face <laughs> the people who get cut to look like yeah let me look like john oates from holland oates uh-huh. yeah yeah right I'm, it's never derailing right it's never derailing <laughs> And it, that, that's just what I think about in terms of Netflix. Oh. I feel like they think they're on a streaming train, and it's never derailing. Yeah. Life's right. good. Life's yeah. always going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that can continue. They released their viewing figures or their subscriptions recently, and okay. they said that they've got 139 million subscribers. That's a lot. And I guess that's probably 139 million credit card numbers, and I can't wait for those to get leaked. Oh, boy. So that doesn't necessarily include people who share passwords, which I've read stories about them employing uh, AI techniques now to try to figure out who's sharing passwords and cut down on that. Oh, really? But it doesn't matter, because those people wouldn't have paid anyway. Right. Um, That's the whole piracy argument. Probably a different show. But (laughs) so so with that going... They're spending billions of dollars and also are borrowing billions of dollars and doing things like, you know, buying junk bonds and and just doing all these sort of financial things to get more money. Okay. And there's a great graph that you can look up. And I don't know. It's just in any probably coverage you can find about Netflix's quote unquote woes. Sure. Financial woes that they are in serious deficit spending now. They're like, I think last year alone, they were down $1.3 Jeez. So this is, you know, they are spending multiple billions. Yes. They are borrowing multiple billions. Mm-hmm. You've got to spend it to make it. Right. And we know how this works. And so for a big company, which they clearly are, mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily unheard of. But for a entertainment company that competes with many other entertainment companies. Right. And you hear all this talk about cable cutting. People are cutting off the... Cable, cable companies, bill. yeah, because mm-hmm. it's too much. Yep, and they don't want a phone bundled in with their whatevers. Right, and it's just a three hundred and fifty-seven uh, adult channels that they're not going to watch anyway. Mm-hmm. We need to come up with a term for cutting the wireless off or the stop damming the stream. People are stream dammers. Sure. Yeah, write that down. All right. That's got to go. Okay. Because that's going to happen eventually, especially when we get what was announced last week, another price hike hike from Netflix Mm -hmm. going from, depending on your plan, increasing basically by two to three dollars across the board. Right. And they explain it in terms of we've got a lot more stuff coming and honestly, and this blew me away. I read this in a thing. Yeah. They, they say, we're not even competing with HBO. You know, the, a couple of years ago, it was like, we're coming for HBO. <laughs> we don't even think that we're against HBO. We're really against Fortnite. What? <laughs> what is their line of reasoning to their come up with that? Their line of reasoning, I think, is that it's a fait accompli. We've already won. It's never derailing. We've already beat all the forms of entertainment. Uh, that are non-interactive, right. and now we've got our sights set on interactivity. Fortnite, which I don't know if that explains Bandersnatch or not. Maybe it does. But 
And all I can do is just sit back and go, there's this guy named Ozymandias. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> you think Netflix is being like Ozymandias? That's the King from the Shelley poem, not the guy in the golden suit from okay. Watchmen. Okay. Yeah. Although right. maybe him too. <laughs> we're not a we're not a Republic serial streaming company. We streamed it thirty five minutes ago. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> I mean, what um, do you watch on Netflix besides Terrace House? Well, right now that's pretty much all. How I would watch. you have got Terrace House otherwise? I don't know Crunchyroll. because you know Crunchyroll. Ne- oh. Is yeah. it on Crunchyroll? No, I'm just saying Japanese series oh. traditionally on Crunchyroll. But I don't know who owns or backs Crunchyroll, but right. Netflix is a conglomerate or is at least a, um, you know, a, no, it's not. It's a monolithic type thing. And so they have the money to have bought Crunchyroll. But when they go out of business because they've spent too much money or they get right. set, fractioned off, uh, you know, then things like Terrace House will be, you know, in the in the in play basically for other networks and then just Crunchyroll or just whatever. I guess. I mean, it's done in pre- uh production with like it's like Fuji Television and Netflix presents. Yeah, of course. So I mean, Fuji Television is 99% of Japanese content. Right. So Netflix just goes, "All right, yeah, well, yeah. Right. Here's a sweetheart deal to put it on our service. Right. Good to go." Yeah. But that would that would happen whether if we just you know snap the Infinity Gauntlet and Netflix was gone, all of this stuff would find homes in other places. No, I mean you're right. I mean even the I guess where would all the specific Netflix uh, content go? Well, a lot of their crap wouldn't get made. Yeah, we that's wouldn't true. have a Bird Box. Yeah, which they've said forty something million people have watched for yeah. a minute. And then went, this isn't for me? Like they didn't. Oh, really? Well, I'm just saying when they say streamed, we don't know if it means multiple times, beginning to end. Um, And also, according to their own practices and I assume algorithm, then clicked on, if you like this, watch this. Like, I guess that's how you really know if you've succeeded because you've satisfied somebody and then driven them and kept them on your service by driving them something else. I think it's probably a lot of people just watching 20 minutes of it and going, what? And then just like turning it off. Huh. But it's like. Okay. It's huge, and people are driving their cars off of cliffs. Oh my gosh! In the Bird Box Challenge. No. We used to call that Darwin Awards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh my goodness. Um, I think Netflix is a little high on their own supply. Make um, me look like Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of them asking for more money, and I understand why, because they have all this debt, apparently, so they're thinking that's going to help somehow. By the way, where's the Steve Gutenberg Netflix show? I don't know. <laughs> Shouldn't Good that question. exist? Yeah. I don't yeah, care sure. what it is. It could be a... Actually, what, doesn't he get some kind of bump off of being in... Uh, not Veronica Mars. Close, though. Uh, Party Down? I don't know. That's they go to that, that episode where they go and just, like... Have hang out at his house because uh-huh. he's throwing a birthday party, but they they show up on the wrong day and right. then they just hang out with him all day. Right, and it was like that seems like a I don't know if it's HBO exactly, but uh, Steve Gutenberg. I'm playing Steve Gutenberg in my right. life of like wine tasting and like uh, did he have Maplethorpe <laughs> like photographs all over his house? You know? Right, right. Uh, Hedgehog with a boner. <laughs> Hedgehog with a boner. Right back to <laughs> Pat Oswalt. We should stop. 
This is he's gonna own this show. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'd watch that. Yeah. But it, I mean, you know, it could be on Netflix. It could be anywhere. And I That's think true. they have established themselves as the uh, the open market. Like they are the market for. Yeah. I've got a movie that the studio said no to. Right. And so, you know, Big Daddy Netflix has got all the cash. And it's not yeah. going to last forever. And the best thing for them to do would be to chart the next five to ten years and start ramping it down, which no – and now this has become a rant on capitalism. No company can ever do. They have to continually make money every year yeah. and not just go – I think a couple years back we passed the point of sustainability. So what if we – Stop buying, you know, the <laughs> here comes the hat trick, the most recent season of World's Most Listless Loiterers. <laughs> and then we just settle down and this is what we're worth. Right. And we can experiment with stuff to try to push it above. If we fall below, we'll try to get back up. But no, that's not where they're. No, they're, that's not derailing. where their head's at. It's never derailing. No, no. They're going to just keep going full steam ahead. And the problem is, is that I, good. I want to see them fail because. There's a lot of junk on there. there but there when they do fail, it will shake the industry and suddenly it'll be, ooh, is, is streaming the, really the future? Right. And the cable companies will make like a, a little small comeback and it'll right. just slow down the whole thing. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're probably right. I have Don't... no good news for you today. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. All right. I have some excellent news. Uh, about a particular movie in general. Okay. In general? Specifically. Specifically. But also about the state of horror movies in general. Yes. And we are not huge horror fans. <laughs> no. Here's what we are. We're movie fans. Yeah. When right. I hear a Taylor Swift song that I like, uh-huh. I listen to it. Sure. But I'm not buying reputation. No. I have nothing invested in that. No. I simply enjoy music. Yes. And that's the same way with films. I wouldn't consider myself a horror fan, uh, fan but I've seen a few. Yeah. And I feel like 2018 uh, has been the latest in a series of high high points for new horror. Yes. Like NU umlaut <laughs> horror or however you want to look at that. Right. And it just seems like the game is is afoot, and it keeps uh, going up. Oh, we're playing with little soft pieces, though. Right, so of course. The, uh, sound, so we don't make any sound. Sound goblins don't hear us. Yes. Uh, but yeah, and so we want to take this time in this show, uh, the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban. Joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mika Hanna. To look back at three different films mm-hmm. of horror from 2018. Yes. It's a look back. Yes. A retrospective, but only slightly. Right. Because... It was just last year. It was just last year. Yeah. They're not going way back here. No. Uh, and I wanted to do that by doing a cross-section, which means that we look at three th- horror films that are represent um, kind of three different quadrants of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, the blockbuster uh, original. Yes. a runaway movie. The high-budget remake or reimagining. Yes. And the weirdo indie guy. Yep. And those three movies, in order... Although we won't talk about them in this order. <laughs> Let's no. we'll flip it around. Uh, the high-budget remake is 2018's Suspiria. Yes. The blockbuster original is A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. And the weirdo indie is Mandy. That's right. Those are the three films that we're going to look at. And just wanted to note real quickly, something else that I enjoy in horror is it isn't just uh, kids uh, boning and dying. Right. From a male serial killer. Right. You're seeing all kinds of diversity, not just in representation, but also in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because these three films are a film almost exclusively about women. Yes. Even the the most important man played by a woman in the film. Yes. (laughs) A film completely about family. Yes. And a film completely about a man uh, working 
within a world of extremely toxic masculinity. So almost all three films more or less on point in their message, but we'll get to that when we talk about those films. Yes. And also wide representation. Yeah. And no black people at all. What was that? No black people at all. No, you're right. (laughs) That's 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 not Hey, one hill at a time. I guess. No, that's not true. I mean, if this was, we were doing this show last year, we'd be talking about Get Out. Yeah, exactly. And if we do it next year, we're talking about Us, mm-hmm. which, um, horror fan or no, really looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that, too. So maybe we'll, we will be talking about that on the show. Who knows? Talking about it this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it comes out. Yeah. Like in next March. month. March. In March. Yes. Can't wait. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. And we'll talk about a little news, too. Sounds good. How are you doing? Are you, are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, Joey. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I really, I, I won't get into it too much right now, but I, I just, I enjoyed the kind of, um, uh, the the gamut that these films like run. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're all... Even though they're hor- all horror movies, they're all quite different from each other and uh, explore different themes, as you said. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about them. Uh, have some some things to say. So, yeah. There is, as much as they are different, there is also um, an unexpected uniting theme for all these films, uh, which isn't. Uh, relegated only to horror movies, but Mm -hmm. they're all united by titles. (laughs) Oh, This show is brought to you by T for on-screen titles. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Wait, were there on-screen titles in The Quiet Place? There are, um, yeah, there are updates. I mean, so much as you can consider Oh, that's true. Like, it's day such and such. Being sort of chapter titles, you know, if you're reading the book version of A Quiet Place, they would probably start day 73. Right. Nothing. I'm not making right. Any noise. Exactly. <laughs> you can write, I guess, <laughs> with a uh, felt tip pen, very, very uh, right. quietly. Very quiet. And of course, um, the super pretentious Suspiria has uh, chapter titles. Yes. And the, it, I think they're more like song titles or album titles. Yes. <laughs> for Mandy. Yeah. We'll get to that. There's also a secret tying in or a point of uh, axis of uh, connection that I will reveal. At the end of our movie segment. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Are you looking forward to that? I am looking forward to that. We're also going to do something else. There might be a game of Bingo Slanthemos. Yes. By the time we reach the end of this thing. So strap in. Let's do the news. Well, we talked about Netflix, but of course everybody else is trying to get into the game. And NBC Universal has announced that they will have their own streaming service debuting in 2020. Okay. I guess I'm not that surprised. CBS has their own streaming service. Yes. So. I remember, this is Universal. So we're talking, we're not just talking um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, although, do, do they can retain the streaming rights to that? Now that I, it's on Fox? Or no, no, uh, it's, did it leave Fox? It left Fox. Now it's on N- NBC. Okay, I don't so know. So I don't know if they'll be able to stream that or not, but this will include NBC News, MSNBC, CNBC, Saturday um, Night Live. Telemundo. Definitely, yeah, SNL for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's another uh, another player has entered the game. Challenger appears. Oh, wow, we just are going to have so many streaming services. It's yeah. going to be super expensive. Yeah, and it's no matter be how more fantastic than, like, a cable package. your <laughs> yes, exactly, it's a la carte they call that. Yeah, no matter how fantastic your offerings are on Netflix, you will just merely have to compete for 
a dollar amount. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the pie is going to be a sliver. Yes. Now, we all know that we all both have more money and don't at the same time. Yeah. Is it that services and goods have not... This Okay, not an economist, not an economic show, but... I feel like we're all richer and poorer at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were making 100 bucks a week, uh, to, I don't know, throwing bales of hay or something like that, if, if you made that, and I said, I could give you for see, see, 10% of your income, I could give you all the Preston Sturges movies you can watch. Right. And be like, what are you talking about? I need that $10 right. to feed my goodly wife right, exactly. and my apple cheek children. Uh-huh. But now we can, but yet all the things like houses and everything else are just so far out of everybody's reach. Right. Education, mm-hmm. not a economic show. No. But yeah. it's a reality. Yeah. But you're still going to have to compete for that with Hulu, with DC, with Disney, yes. with Crunchyroll. Uh-huh. <laughs> poor Crunchyroll. They get included. How still we see the lie. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But uh, they're in for that. Uh, some random news from around the nerd sphere. Uh, it has been announced that Jason Reitman is directing a secret Ghostbusters movie. Not so secret now, though. No. No. There was an extremely uninformative and short teaser that was released. Yeah. Uh, that features the Ecto-1, basically. That doesn't tell us anything. No. But, uh, yeah, he's producing it, of course, with Sony, and it should come out in summer of 2020. And we don't know anything else. No, uh, really cryptic. The teaser is barely a teaser. Um, why is there lightning around the Ecto-1? Because it's a ghost image. activity. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, okay. Uh, we don't know the story. Of course, you know, uh, for people don't know, Ivan Reitman directed the first one. Jason Reitman's son wants to direct this. Um, we don't know anything. We know that they are casting or looking to cast for uh, teenage Teenagers in uh, teenage teenagers. I was going to say boys, but t- to be honest, I don't know if it's boys. Uh, right. Four teenagers in mystery roles. Mystery. They're going to be, be Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters right? Yeah. 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 This sounds terrible. I'm. And oh, and also, it is going to do a big touchdown dance on the face of 2016, <laughs> even though it's the same company. Right. Or maybe not. Who knows? But I feel like this is being made in response to. 2016 and the thing about 2016 is not a good movie doesn't need a response you just go no. that wasn't good let's just let's just move on let's move on yeah to exactly. some other franchise right and why I'm, do we have to keep doing this i am really surprised that that we're getting a ghostbusters 3 and what uh, I really because think... they remember, what about ghost core remember sony no. has this huge bull sony wants to pimp out and just turn the asses out of every property they have and so they didn't highly publicize it uh, it's not like they were in Oh, I don't know. Variety with a picture of all the stars of the dark universe. Gosh, that would be embarrassing if that's what happened. Right. But they did start releasing some sort of um, not very <laughs> underdesigned shots of logos that said like Ghost Core, and the idea was that they were going to turn out this thing and you know have a whole franchise. Wow. Okay. Um... But in the same way that like Solo didn't, uh, people call it a flop. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I guess it did flop since they shot it twice. Yeah. Um, but just in the same way that, like, some films, like, have done okay. Uh, they didn't make a ton of money, but they did succeed. And they were supposed to launch something. And then the studio went, nah. We're not going to launch anything. Yeah. It yeah. kind of seemed like that was what, what was happening after th- uh, 2016 Ghostbusters. But. Yeah. 
I, now this. I, yeah, and I think you said that Dan Aykroyd and... Um, I only speculated. Okay. I have no confirmation. The, but him and Bill Murray. If you were Bill Murray. maybe Ernie Hudson. And you were just dragged through 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah. And looked so depressed to be and unexcited. Yeah, yeah. On every appearance that you did for it. Uh-huh. Why'd you do this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It's and, and it's not like he needs to do anything. No. Like he picks and chooses what he does. So yeah. he's never needed to. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Bad news. Yeah. So anyway, uh more information on that. As it comes <laughs> Uh, it looks like uh, a Gamora and a Nebula show, and I'm just assuming that the both of them together, not separate, right. uh, is in development for Disney+. Plus. Okay. Is it going to be them as, like, teenagers? It's going to be them. I think it's going to be uh, Disney uh, Network style. Disney, what's the Disney show called? Uh, you're yeah. watching Disney... I'm, I have a wand and I'm painting a Mickey head. Yeah, I know. I never watched. I didn't have cable and I also I was an adult when those were on. I can't remember what it's called, but it's... The Secret Life of Zack and Cody, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. Uh, Wizards of Waverly Place. Yes. Yeah. I think Lizzie it's going to be McGuire. like that. Okay. Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be a Lizzie McGuire style thing. Okay. It's going to be mistaken identity. She's bald, but she puts the black haired wig on. Oh my God. And it's... But, you know, like Lizzie McGuire, that's Wait. the pitch of lizzie mcguire right no no no. that's hannah montana you got it there hannah you montana. go it's a hannah montana but they are two different people but pretending to be the same person oh my god that's insane and it's gonna be fun uh and their dad he's yeah. gonna be gruff but he loves them right 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 you know uh thanos that's how yeah. child abuse works right exactly right um they're gonna get grounded a lot <laughs> oh boy <laughs> Yeah. And go on crazy adventures. He's with gonna each teach other. them to dive. Yeah. Skydive. Yeah. I'm kidding. Anyway, uh so that joins the also rumored uh Vision and Scarlet Witch show. Okay. That we have talked about previously. Yes. Um I don't know where these rumors come from, but nobody knows anything. From Disney themselves, maybe? Yeah, right. They just plant <laughs> the pick seeds. Up the phone. <laughs> you got a scoop for me? Oh, yeah. Oh, I heard that. <laughs> I don't know who the source is. <laughs> Call him Deep Ears. Yeah. Here's a recording. Keeps calling me on this old-timey phone. <laughs> and saying... With a face on it. Saying, oh, hi. Oh, you're here with this Loki show, huh? It's going to be great. He's <laughs> a god of mischief. <laughs> uh, yeah, how come... Uh, is that too much? What? Mickey Mouse has never done mythology. Has he? I don't think so. Bugs I mean, Bunny did. I know Warner Brothers did. Uh, uh, Lohengrin or whatever. Okay. Uh, but Bugs Bunny's never, or Mickey Mouse has never done like. Have you ever seen Mickey Mouse in a toga? I don't think so. No. I just think that'd be you know a way to teach kids Greek myths. Sure. <laughs> of course, there's a lot of rape in Greek myths, so yeah, maybe pass on that one. There's a lot of. But there is really a lot of like stuff. animals and people having sex with animals, so. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's not really Asia appropriate. <laughs> the idea that launched a million fur- furries. Yeah. Furies as well. Greek. They, see, I fixed it. I brought it right back. Uh, Disney has also <laughs> apparently got a live action hunchback of Notre Dame in the works. Oh, now boy. we're talking. Wow. Henry David Wang is supposed to be writing it. Really? This is this is serious. This is some real stuff. That's that's interesting. Asian, um, it's really intense. 
American, Asian American? Yes. Asian American so. uh, playwright and author. Yes. Um, probably M-, M. Butterfly, most famously. Yeah. And some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually am kind of excited about this because it is, I believe, not perfect, but a criminally, criminally underrated film. Yeah, I can, I get that. It has more they were really, kind of adult themes to it. Yeah, they were really trying. Yeah. It has some genuinely good music and some okay music. And they did that thing where they go, let's take it seriously. And we broke at the last second and put Jason Alexander yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes off of the run of Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King. Yeah. And so, you know, compared to those, it doesn't look good. And it immediately convinced them to go, oh, we, we, we can't do this. We got to switch gears. Hercules. Yeah. Which criminally overrated film. Yeah, I would agree at with that. At me. Yeah. At Just Enough Trope on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm excited about this, although I do think it's ironic that, oh, it's finally, finally we'll see live real actors playing these characters. In, oh, no, wait. It's based on a book, a very famous book, and then was made into a movie a bunch of times. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we finally come full circle. Right. What if human beings played these characters? Well, I'd like to see how they do the gargoyles. <laughs> but No, here's your chance to cut them. You, oh, really? You think so? Well, no, because here's your chance. Well, I don't know. I didn't see the live action Beauty and the Beast. Is a bunch of CGI plates a draw? Um, <laughs> do people, do people want to see that? I don't know. I mean. Because you just CGI them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or you just cut them. Their live action, quote unquote, Lion King is just a yeah, CGI. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. is you. That is a I know hook that you have hung everything. I know, on. but it makes me mad. Well, I, 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 I question the validity or the wisdom of keeping when she wants ooh la la, then she wants you la la. We could probably let that go. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's every every Disney movie's got to have the friend like me song right and at this point i feel like the songwriters and i should know who it is mankin maybe i don't know one of the good ones was like friend like you good guy like me whatever right <laughs> that's what we'll do yeah just yeah. give jason alexander something with a three note range and we'll be fine <laughs> oh man is he talented um i think so i don't know if he's like a triple threat or anything um, he, he absolutely is because he's been on broadway oh yeah okay never mind then i mean i'm he can do it i yeah. don't know if he can do it like matthew broderick he can do it i don't right. know if he can do it good well supposedly yeah so <laughs> not a big broadway fan i no, i am uh, this show is defined by what it's not this is the negative space show not okay. an economic show it's not a great white way show Wow. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll just move on to save you okay. in this case. Uh, the Vin Diesel movie, Bloodshot, is going forward. It's real. It's it's really happening. What is Bloodshot? It's a comic. It's, it's a comic? Image. Well, no, it's not an image comic. It's a valiant comic. It, we're looking at an image of uh, him in um, makeup or whatever. Yes. And um, it's it's not. He's just holding a gun. Okay. <laughs> But uh, Bloodshot is a valiant comic book. Uh, it's about an assassin with the nano machines. Okay, all right, has potential. That's about it. No, okay. We've, right. hit, we've hit the point where, if you made a Fantastic Four movie, people would go, "Nice Incredibles movie," <laughs> and pretty much sixty-eight percent of the plots 
of modern movies come from comic books. So when you make a story about a yeah. assassin with future powers or whatever, it's like nice 30 movies going back. Nice John Wick, nice Matrix, nice nice right. nice ultraviolet or whatever. Right. Okay. So you don't seem excited about this at all. <laughs> well, I have never been a big Bloodshot fan, and I'm not really a Vin Diesel fan. So okay. where do I go? I I don't know. I kind of like Vin Diesel. I think he's um, charismatic. And <laughs> Whoa, did you like spray your coffee? Did you have a stroke and forget what charismatic means? No, I feel like he is kind of. So I feel like a couple shows ago you described Jason Momoa as charismatic. And you're using the yeah. same word with the same meaning on yeah. human Mr. Potato Head, Vin Diesel. You don't think he's charismatic at all? You better think I'm charismatic. Okay, fine. I, I don't got charisma. I got family. Oh, all right. Made your point. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. I don't want to take it away from you. Somebody's got a little crush on Vin Diesel. Not really. I just think he's a good action star. Oh, What's your favorite Vin Diesel movie? I don't know. <laughs> so I've crossed a line here. Uh, I have violated some some agreement between broadcasting partners. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I I guess I like him as Groot, but that's <laughs> Okay, Maybe well. that's not something to yeah. be like a highlight of. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, <laughs> we talked about hills before, and you, you want to die on this one, so okay. I will. Uh, Moving on. Have a touching memorial. We'll just move on. All right. Uh, speaking of movies that you might be excited about, what about a J.R.R. Tolkien biopic? Okay, it could be interesting. I know like nothing about his life. I'll tell so. you, I did a book report on him did you <laughs> yes uh he was born in south africa okay because uh, his father was a had a diplomatic posting or something like that okay um his father died of like you know yellow fever or something like that when he was very young that's terrible. they moved back to england and then he you know had a nice uh upper middle class you know english educa- education in life he went to pembroke college he i don't I don't want to steal his valor. I don't think he had a real exciting time in World War One, but he was in World War One. Okay. Uh, and then he, you know, went back and got a teaching, you know, position, and then Inklings, C.S. Lewis, bada bada bing, Lord of the Rings. Sure. Okay. So. So there's the not story? a whole lot of story <laughs> no, there. No, none. There's no story at all. Huh. Okay. Well, somehow they're gonna make it exciting. I don't know. Maybe they'll. Add some mythical creatures. What like- if we add a boy that there's something about? There's something about that boy. That yeah. sounds like yeah. I got the wrong DVD. Yeah, it does. Uh, Nicholas Holt from oh, Holt or whatever from About a Boy. Yeah. And many other things, but I just don't remember him as the About a Boy kid. Yeah. Why? You saying he plays J.R. Tolkien? <laughs> yeah, unless he's going to play Frodo or something. And, okay. Because you know they're going to do like J.R., what what are you doing? Are you in the garden? And he's like, and he's looking at the garden, and he sees a little hobbit come out. Right. And he's like, I just had an idea. Right. About a hole where a <laughs> hobbit lives. Oh, Jr. Stop it. Oh, honey, go comb your eyebrows. Lily Collins is playing his wife. Oh my God. 
And Kalamini. Yay! Yay, Chief O'Brien can get movie roles still. <laughs> and a bunch of other people nobody cares about. So is, it, is this actual casting news or is this you casting it's it? It's done and dusted. Like they, really? Yeah. I mean, it is it's okay. going to come out um, May 10th, I believe. Of this year? Yeah. Oh, so they're probably done filming then. They're yeah. just working on post-production. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. It has been compared to the J.M. Barry uh, story, Finding Neverland. I actually really liked that movie, oh boy. but um, we're not, we're not I didn't vibing. look at it with like a critical eye, so I, I don't know. I suppose you're Johnny Depp, very charismatic, huh? Will you stop it? <laughs> Got her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else? There's not too much else. Uh, it looks like Highlander, uh, much like the characters in the films, refuses to die. Oh my goodness, Smith. really? Yeah. Uh, direct, director Chad Stahelski, director of what, you might ask? Yeah. Uh, n- nothing. Uh, he's just shopping this thing around still. Okay. Uh, he was one of the directors of John Wick. Um, and he is trying to. Yeah, there was two. Oh, um, and one of them is just doing it himself now. I don't know. Not a John Wick guy. I mean, Vin Diesel was playing John Wick. Oh, stop it. And, uh, but anyway, so he's been uh, sort of nurturing, shepherding, uh, nursing this. Uh, and he says, it could be a movie or a TV series. It's like, all right, well, it seems like well, what don't have it? a deal. Yeah. Seems like you don't have a deal. Yeah. I feel like you need to sell it as one or the other, not both. Yeah. If you want it to get made. Where should, what, what should it be? If he, let's, who cares what he wants? What, what should it be? Um, oh boy. I don't know. I guess it depends on what the story is that you want to tell. Um, I feel like, didn't they do a TV show on it already? Mm -hmm. I feel like it could lend itself fairly well to a TV show, especially if there are quite a few Highlanders left and maybe there's somebody who's questing to take them down one by one. Um, Isn't that's the whole game, though? I know. They're all trying to take each other down. I know. (laughs) I know. And um, only one by one. Yeah. Those are the rules. Right. Can't take two at a time or anything like that. Right. Um, I think it could work. Uh, otherwise, I don't know, movie-wise, what would they, what would the story be? I mean, are they you just looking it. to, like, recast it and just redo it? You just reboot it. No. Okay. Right? All right. Got a bunch of guys fighting each other with swords mm-hmm. of all different makes and shapes and kinds. Right. Um... And maybe one guy's from the future, so he's got a lightsaber or something. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, and then the one guy's the good guy. Uh, Jason Momoa stars in Highlander. Yeah, I could see that. But he's not a Highlander, though. I mean, yeah, it's not like Christopher Lambert is, is from Scotland. But. No, no, that movie like messes up everybody's background. You know, like. So okay, so who's who's the Scott who could play? Who's got a lot? James McAvoy keeps the muscles <laughs> from <laughs> from glass. Yes, keeps the muscles from glass, and then he's like, "Oh, I don't. My people threw me out. I don't know what my life is." And then suddenly it's like, "You need the high ground." Right. Holy shit, Ewan McGregor! Ewan McGregor in the Sean Connery oh, role, right. and he's like, nice. "I'm a Scottish guy by way of Egypt, Egypt, and I'm Japanese too, and I'm Spanish, I guess." Yeah, yeah. You yeah. cannot die, Highlander. 
take some of this age. Oh my goodness! That's where they get their powers from? That's what the high and the Highlander is. Oh, because they're gonna have to. You you can't give up the the name recognition, and yet I think we've just proven there are no bulky Scots. At least I can't think of any. No. Uh, and they don't want Jared Butler. No. <laughs> or Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler is the Kurgan. They're all from Scotland. They're yeah. all from Scotland. Yeah. But they're not going to be. Right. So Jason Momoa, perfect. But then you have to say, but Highlander, it really means the you are striving for some kind of land. Right. And everybody in Scotland's like, no, <laughs> it means you're from the Highlands. Right. Right. What about uh, D- Dippity Doo from uh, Flippity Boo? Nailed it. Got it. He's an Outlander. No, she's an Outlander. He's an Highlander. Oh, yeah. Will these Landers ever? Um, get high on together. the other. Um, yeah, no, he'd work. They've talked about him Jamie? for Bond. Huh? They've talked about him for Bond. Oh, really? Well, you know, any brown-haired guy from the UK they throw around. Oh, not from the UK. No, he is from the UK. Scotland's in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> How do they keep it straight? <laughs> I don't know. There's actually less colonies than states, right? Not colonies, um, counties. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'm guessing yes. Because it's name smaller. all fifty states. I I can name all fifty states. Just Love fine. it or leave it. Get out. Oh my goodness. Push this ladder up to the wall. Let's get her out of here. Wow. So anyway, wow. <laughs> where did that come from? Squish Jason Momoa into this somehow. But I got a lot of faith. But I would. Uh, I'd watch that Ian McGregor one. Yeah, I would too. Just a, he's got the sword fighting skills. Right. He's already got it. <laughs> Put him in a velvet uh, outfit. Sure. Get him a little uh, goatee. Yeah. I, I'd i watch that. I'd watch the heck out of that. And have him do uh, uh, a Connery. Have yes. Him do it. Yeah. I mean, he already did a Guinness. Yeah. No, I I would totally watch that. He could drink Guinness while he does a Connery. <laughs> That's Irish, though. <laughs> As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife and realize she's Okay, so let's get right into it. And in no order of um, release or favor or anything, even alphabetical. Okay. It's probably just the order that we watched them in. That's fine. Uh, we're going to tackle these films. And before we start, give us an idea of your horror pedigree. That's gatekeeping. J- uh, I, I didn't mean it that way. Like... What's your favorite horror film or like what kind of horror films do you like? So I am in general just not a really big fan of horror <laughs> this films. Is great start. I know. I know. Uh, I'm being honest though. And, uh, Lie to me. Well, just let me be honest. <laughs> All right. I I don't really like Carnage Candy. Um, what? Is that a thing? That is a thing. You keep talking. I'm going to look up Carnage Candy. Okay, fine. Um and like blood and gore and that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like I can handle a lot better than I used to be able to. Um, but uh, I guess probably my favorite horror film would probably have to be uh, Stephen King's Carrie, the original, the original, original. Um, I watched that a lot as a teenager, uh, like repeatedly, uh, and whenever her, you know, her hand comes up in the dream or whatever yeah that used to scare the bejeebus out of me um 
That was the scariest part in the whole film, I think. Pretty much, I don't want to say the only scary part in the film, but it's really more like a story about it's more psychological mania and uh, child abuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not wrong. And also bullying. A lot of bullying. I don't don't get into your own personal history, but if a girl, you know, has a, a period experience in the shower, uh, I'm taking it that like the rest of her classmates don't. Uh, put a bunch of quarters in the tampon machine so they can all throw uh, sanitary products at No, it. I don't think that's that is, that really happens. That is, and we'll, good transition. We're going to get right into it. Uh, that is a man writing what he thinks women are going to do. No, oh, you're right. And that leads us directly to Suspiria. Yes. 2018. <laughs> Before we move on, I wanted to note that Carnage Candy has a listing on the Urban Dictionary, excessive gore and violence on TV and the movies and covered in media. That sounds pointed. It has no votes. No votes? Nope. It was only submitted on October 14th. So you and one other person really? somewhere heard the term carnage candy or invented it at the same time. I definitely did not invent it. Oh, take credit for it. I just <laughs> I just proved that nobody could say that you didn't. Um, well, like, I guess, I, I guess to say something else about my horror background oh. is I had... Um, uh, uh, quite a few friends in high school who really loved horror films. So I ended up watching a lot that I didn't really care to watch. Yeah, teenage girls always say that, but then again, teenage boys always do too. Uh, especially Scream. Watch that well, a bunch of times. Unfortunately, you were born at the right time that yeah. Scream is your horror, and it's pretty much all horror now. Mm -hmm. But not necessarily. We're talking about these films. Uh, I'll give you mine. Um, also, the same... Didn't really watch a lot growing up, but I had a lot of friends who, again, were also into it too. Mm -hmm. So I saw all the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street with them and stuff like that. And I've really, um, as I've gotten older, uh, gone back and looked at them with kind of a more critical eye sure. and a subtextual eye. And there isn't always one to be had. But you have to admit, like the first Nightmare on Elm Street, pretty good. The second one is a disaster, but it is a, it's a fascinating disaster. Yes. And I do think that whole like homoerotic read on it is, is really valid. Yes. And I have enjoyed going back and looking at these things. I mean, it's what we do on the show, looking right. at these things that are quote unquote trash and finding like what's really there. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do like, um, space horror. <laughs> space horror. Yeah. 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 Haunted like, house movies, monster movies where it's a spaceship instead of a house. Um, what is it called? Alien. It's called alien. No, well, not alien. Um, Oh, what it came out in the nineties? Event Horizon. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was what I was um, looking for. That's an okay movie, and it's a um, Paul W. S. Anderson movie. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, he's only good movie. Well, first Resident um, Evil's okay in a shocky way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's where we're at, and that leads to not at all <laughs> Suspiria, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Right. Uh, neither of us mentioned uh, Italian Giallo films, so no. I don't know where we're coming from there. Yeah. But, of course, uh, this is a reimagining of the original Suspiria, uh, mm -hmm. directed by Italian horror godfather right. uh, Dario Argento. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a very different movie than this is. And a quick rundown. You have not seen the original, I don't think. I have not. Um, no. But you've seen, like, the trailer or, like... Um, pictures of it. I've seen stuff. pictures of it. I've yeah. seen stills. It was quite a bit more colorful than he, the more recent one. Yeah. Um... I've seen that. I've seen Phenomenon. I've seen a couple of other of his films, but I'm not a huge expert on him. But like that whole genre is basically gallons of 
that red paint blood. Yes, you know yes. where it's like totally opaque. It doesn't really like, look like blood. Like don't look now. Like there was like fake blood in that too. <laughs> Right. Yeah. When he gets yeah. stabbed by the dwarf. In fact, I think well, yeah. When we talked about Don't Look Now, yeah, it, yeah. we said that it has um, sort of jalous uh, elements. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically like pushing women's f- faces through plate glass. <laughs> like that's <laughs> how would you describe okay. the jalo genre? That's how I would describe yeah. that okay. genre. It is it, unlike the sort of fun, uh, vicarious thrill you get uh, as a nascent. Uh, conservative of uh, Jason going around and just murdering all these like naughty teens. Mm-hmm. There is none of that. Like you are right. made to experience the f- horror and terror of a young woman being stalked by somebody. And then you get to see her brutally eviscerated and a noose thrown around her neck and she's thrown off a building and she's hanging from a building. And it's oh. just, yeah. And, um, you know, it's that sort of thing <laughs> has probably rightly got its share of accusations of uh, misogyny and that yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also, he's like, it's not supposed to be great. Like I'm, sp- you came to be scared. I'm trying to show right. you horrible things for mm-hmm. a reason. And so the original Suspiria was, you know, is it, you can't get 10 minutes into this film without hearing what I'm going to tell you about the entire first film, right? which is young American girl comes to Berlin joins a prestigious dance studio run by a bunch of weird ladies. Maybe they're witches. We don't really know. Right. And some girls start to die one by one. Weird things happen in the thing. It's very moody. Um, and it gets very weird and scary and bloody at the end. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, 2018. Yes. Luca Guadagino of... Mm-hmm. Um, Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name. And what was the other um, Tilda Swinton one that he did? Uh, something Splash. I Am Love. Well, he did a bigger splash too, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I am love. Um, yes, so he's all primed up. He's going to do it. He's going to remake this thing. He's going to add 45 right. minutes to it. Yes. Because that's necessary, and we've got it. So going off of what I said, <laughs> pretending I didn't just say anything, mm-hmm. what's the 50-word um, synopsis of 2018's Suspiria? Well, like the original, there's an American girl who comes to Berlin and joins a dance company that could be run by, quote unquote, witches, a coven? I don't know. Uh, and Easy bake coven. Yeah. Uh, but like before that thrust of that of the film kind of starts, we see another girl who's part of the school and she is visiting her psychiatrist. Yes. Um, Patricia. Patricia. Yes. Uh, and then, like, Patricia kind of disappears from the film, but students are talking about her and, like, where did she go? And uh, this is taking place in Berlin right at the height of, like, the Berlin Wall. And um, it's really at the height of what they call the German autumn in 1977. Okay. Um, yeah. There was always sort of these different factions uh, um, like we had the weathermen and stuff like that, like these political activists mm-hmm. here um black panthers and stuff like that there's this um the raf the red army yes. faction and then also the bader meinhof group and they were like left-wing uh radicals basically who, there were like bombings and stuff. Well, yeah blew stuff up and they um took hostages hijacked a plane and yeah. yeah they were like we demand to be taken seriously yeah so that is kind of woven in the background of the film um, and I, you know, I think we Keep would both agree kind of summary. All right. Um, so weird stuff is happening 
and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're pitching a movie. Yeah, so tell me what about your brother. Weird stuff is happening, guys. We <laughs> so, need fifty million. Yeah. So the American who comes, her name is Susie Bannon, and she's having these nightmares, and she doesn't know why. Um, and the dance is really weird and visceral. It's called Volk, uh, and they've been performing it for like who's actually 50 Tyler years. What? Who's actually Tyler? Volk is Tyler. Volk is Tyler. Yeah. What do you mean? It's all played by the guy from uh, uh, Toast, but it, it's a oh. Star Trek. <laughs> Joke. Forget it. <laughs> Moving on. No Star Trek. Um, yeah. So, although now that I have got that connection, I understand why he's called Voke. Yeah. The Klingon character. Why is that? Beep. Switching over to another show because his whole thing is like we're going to keep the people together. We're going to, you know, uh-huh. remain Klingon in our in our national identity. And Voke is German. People. Also, the concept of Voke in Germany is like. Kind of like, are you sure about that? Like Volkswagen you guys started a war on. Well, yeah, but that's what the word means. But I mean, the yeah. idea of, you know, our people and Auslander out, and we just got rid of a wall, but maybe we should build one around the country. It's dicey. Yeah, it's dicey. Yeah. Um. So I would say that's basically. I don't remember where you landed, but uh, yeah. I, I... Dancing, weird stuff. Weird stuff's happening. There we go. There's a coven. You can spoil stuff. This is all going to be... This is all last year. Um, yeah, I know. Um, so basically, Tilda Swinton like, plays the psychiatrist, the old man psychiatrist. And that was something that was like they they kind of hid and tried to deny. So really you're done with time. your summary. I guess. Now we're going to talk about our opinions about this. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've got notes. Yeah. Uh, you might not have structure in them, though. Uh, yeah, that is basically the biggest departure. A lot of things happen differently, but the political elements are completely absent. They do not exist in the earlier films. No. And I think when uh, this guy, Guanajino, mm-hmm. and uh, the screenwriter, um, David uh, Kagajanich, uh, approached. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> a man's name. I know. Um, Approach this, they're like, oh, we got to get something else in there. You can't have just just dancing girls right. and murders. Right. So we got to do this. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody who he'd worked with, um, Gu- Guadagino, on uh, Bigger Splash. Yes. And he'd also, um, he's doing the AMC show, The Terror, which I've heard is good right now. Oh, okay. Although, after this, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably 50-50? plotting and overwritten. But oh, okay. uh, And that's my review of this film. <laughs> None of that's necessary. No. It's all superfluous. And mm-hmm. w- at the end of the day, it's like, what are you trying to say? Why? Why is that there? Right. What does a bunch of witches who have a evil you yes. know, coven, but also like an evil control, they, are, they only see the utility in young women, they are taking advantage of them. Yes. I could, with a real, them. with a lot of ink, I could draw a line from there to the Nazis or something else. But I don't think it is native to this comparison. I think that yeah. you are really jamming that in there. And I think you looked at it and went, the original set in 77, why change that? So look at, oh, 77, 77, ooh, um, the German autumn. Like yeah. so, uh, ooh, um, World War Two, Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, we'll get that. You know, there's a character... Uh, in the old one who is um, has the same kind of function where he like she um, 
Susie meets with him and they sort of figure out this thing about the three sisters or whatever. But it's never really the whole the whole it's not tied into like the Holocaust or something like that. Fun fact, um, the girl that Jessica Harper that played um, Susie in the original film plays his wife. Yeah, I remember reading about uh, that. This cameo type thing. But yeah, I just don't. It's so superfluous and it's so this is real serious, guys. Yeah. It's like, isn't this just a movie where ladies get their faces pushed through plate glass windows? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> um, yeah. It's Artie Farty. <laughs> yeah. It's Artie Farty. Yeah. And my favorite director is Tarkovsky. And I'm saying this is Artie Farty. Well, it is. I mean, like, they're very stylized costumes that they wear for the Volk Fine. performance. First splash of color I saw in the film. Yeah, that's Here's true. something else. You're your own person. You just made a film set in Italy that's like, uh, you know, under the Tuscan sun for gay dudes. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, hmm, first one, super colorful. Hmm, let's go a sort of winterish, Muted. a sort of chilly palette. Yeah. Why? I don't know. We, uh, they wanted it to be bleak, I guess. It, plate glass window, it's already bleak. Yeah, I know. We talked about this, I think, on, I think it was last week. Um, just so they got it perfect. They did it perfectly. Now we are tasked with doing it. Let's do the opposite. It's like I know. the opposite would be bad. The opposite of food is poop. <laughs> right. Let's get poop all over this table. Wow. Get the forks. No, uh, we need spoons. Opposite of forks. Oh, stop it. Don't why do a negative? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Um I, I don't think the muted colors like add to the themes of the film either you know um no even i mean and i get it like it's you know europe in uh right. in the 70s or whatever and it it's funny because it's all takes place in western berlin mm-hmm. and then i think he's got a house i guess he lives in east berlin or at least he's got a house there yes and that's the most colorful place like he goes there and he's got a garden and stuff like that right. it's like ooh, opposites yes the, the, the communist side is green oh i mean even right. atomic blonde was like there was neon there was people partying there was graffiti there was all kinds of color and diversity here it wasn't just a bunch of white ladies walking around in a gray town right in black and white outfits. Yeah. And that's why, and we can talk more about the details of what we don't like, but that's why I think it's just a great example of, let me tell you what you feel, women. Right. Right? Yeah. Argento's just killing them. <laughs> he's not making a lot of comments about stuff. No. But it's, here comes this guy, and he's like, we're going to make a comment about like the way that women interact with each other and it's a story about motherhood and it's a story about like rebirth and it's like you said rebirth at the beginning of the film so yeah. i know it's supposed to be about that right the rest of that i got from wikipedia because none of it's in the movie right this is a thing where people have brought their own interpretations and uh, you know there's sort of exegesis on what it what it is and i don't think that any of it's that there it's just because what otherwise what does it say like can you identify? You never took dance, right? Yes, I did. I <laughs> oh, you dance. did? Yeah. Okay. All right. So can you identify with like, oh, there's always some lady who was yelling at me to jump yes. higher. Yes. There. I mean, I I had a very, I had a somewhat traumatic experience because, you know, if, if we did something wrong in class, I had, I had the instructor say, hey, so-and-so, show her what she's doing wrong. 
So you do the steps, and then we'll have her do the steps. Yeah, boohoo! I took karate. It's yeah, the same thing. okay. Only you actually get punched. All right. So, do you feel like that gave you? Do you feel like that informed your understanding of a toxic uh, female mentor mentee relationship? Um, well, it certainly could be deemed as toxic, but I just think it's kind of dance in general. Dance is kind of... <laughs> so is it a criticism of dance? I think they are trying to criticize feminine power structures. No, I and think I'm you're like, right. First of all, tuck it if, you're, if you want to do that. And second <laughs> of all, that doesn't matter. Why do, why do you get to... You, you have brought very little to this. Mm-hmm. And I think it... I think their lack of having anything to say in that regard is felt over the almost two and a half hours of the film, but also is shown in the resolution, which is none, and just culminates in blinding violence. Right. Uh, which accomplishes nothing. It's If she's supposed to be some kind of like better or more positive force, uh, it's like, no, it's cool that she deals with everybody. Uh, and know, I'm not saying she has to be like some nurturing explode. earth mother thing just because she's a girl, but right. it's just like, it's not any kind of solution. It's not positivity. She's supposed to be a good guy. Yeah. And also in a movie that heavily evokes the atrocities of the Nazis who put a lot of people to death, she's like, well, let's just start on the new regime. So you know what happens to the old one up against the wall. Right. Exactly. Like, what? I know. And, and then. And as far as Tilda Swinton, sorry. Go ahead. As far as Tilda Swinton being somehow in the first film, there is a. Well, there's a, actually a bunch of characters. Something I like about the first film is a lot of it is done in um, um, secrets and whispers and that sort of thing. Sure. So they sort of allude to that in when she first gets to the school, she finds out about Patricia leaving because she overheard somebody. Yes. But like 40% of the dialogue in the first film is overheard. And there's all these scenes where she's walking around and she's hearing people talk about, oh, did you hear what happened? Or she's seeing the matrons. Um, do be act normal when everybody's around, but then they go to their you know places of their own rooms or whatever, and they're right. just acting really weird and just doing all this stuff. Sure, and it so it creates this like something is going on in this movie. Fifteen minutes in, well, we have to sacrifice her on the eve of wall purchase, or or otherwise, well, right. there's no tension about whether there are witches or anything or not. And I think it's because they felt like they could deal straighter with that because the real twist is. Oh no, Don Johnson's kid was the was the thing yes. killer the whole time. Right. Yeah. Like she was just born that way and she that was what drew her to school mm-hmm. and everything. No, that's yeah. a movie I'd see. Yeah. Lady right. Gaga is. <laughs> Mother Suspiriorum. Uh, yeah. Um I think uh Yeah, it's not it's not very positive and and then like she's supposed to be like she asked the three girls like Olga, Patricia and Sarah, who have been tormented by the, the coven. She asked them, what do you want? I know. And they all ask for death. The only gift she can give them is death. Yeah. Great. And, and I think you even said this after we watched I'm the sure film. I'm sure I did. Like, couldn't she like, doesn't she have some sort of magic? Couldn't she put sarah's organs like back inside <laughs> well, of I mean, her i don't know <laughs> it's just like what what are you changing this is yeah this whatever the original intention of this coven whatever the uh intentions uh, or natures of the three sisters or whatever and their cult and their power has been it is clearly something that is poisonous 
and gooey and extra handy uh, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And I got the impression that uh, the chick from Fifty Shades of Grey was coming in to, to sweep sweep it out. Yes. And do something else with it. The yes. first thing she does when she has her power or whatever is she goes and tells an old man, she gives an old man closure on his, you know, his wife who died in a concentration camp. Right. So that's the impression I got was that she was changing things around. And there's religious commentary in this as well, which is totally underbaked. But she comes from like this Mennonite family. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. This Amish family. I know they're not quite the same thing, uh, which is religiously oppressive. And so... I think you're supposed to think, oh, she's going to take like a fish to water to the, from one cult to another. Right. But instead, growing up in that, and we still don't know if she, if Suspiriorum or whatever is like a latent personality or she just walks in and she's always... Had this inside of her. Yeah, yeah. Let me finish my first thought. So anyway, so she ends up subverting that by going, no, you guys have this weird system of control. I'm going to destroy that and then also right. murder the innocents as well that right. you victimized whatever. Right. So now I want to talk about this other thing. Was she always in control? There's no doubt in the first movie that this is a young girl from Ohio, maybe, or wherever, who is very excited to do this, and she is caught up in this thing that's bigger than her. It's a very old story, very old horror story. In this, Dakota Johnson's character says things like, I can't believe I'm in Berlin. But that doesn't mean that she has the mind of a 19-year-old girl who is finally away from home. Right. She could be... An ancient witch spirit who's like, it's almost nigh. Like, I'm going to do this. Exactly. And where that comes down to is my problem with the weakness of the character of Tilda Swinton, who is set up as this Martha Graham-esque, she's going to give it to you, dance teacher, but has no power. She's not, she's voted out, you know, she's not in control. And then she doesn't even have any, like, real character. I've heard her performance described as subdued. And my thing is, if you're going to cast Tilda Swinton and she's not going to do anything... Why'd you cast Tilda Swinton? Right. Because of your friends. She does do something, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so she doesn't have any power. Even as a dance teacher, she has no power. If she had no power magically, but she was like a real Hitler in the dance room, that'd be something else. Right. But she's really nice and accommodating. She gives the new girl the lead immediately. I and know. then the new girl starts fighting back, like, oh, I don't want to jump here. And she's like, you're supposed to jump here. She's like, right. what if I just hump the floor instead? Right. She's like, okay. And then later on, she like kind of screws up but once we know who she is and now i'm convinced that she's just been the mother superior the whole time i i feel like she is uh once she kind of screws that up for everybody and she's like you can't screw this up anymore she's like oh okay well we'll see nothing else and at the very end she's like wait a minute i think something's going on here and she just gets her head cut off i know (laughs) well what was the point of her ever being there all it's doing is just showing the ineffect ineffectiveness of like female authority figures yeah well and then like at the end one of the other matrons like kind of like squishes her head back oh, yeah, on, just stick it back on. Get and it. and she seems like she's fine i need a staple gun yeah exactly well that's so she can be in the sequel <sighs> dumb so i mentioned Voke before from star trek discovery we're going all in all right and that was a great reference uh, all my references are metatextual because we've got a real Vogue situation going on here, oh my gosh. which is Tilda Swinton plays the old psychiatrist guy. I know. For no reason. I know. And like the, the Star Trek Discovery thing, for no reason, they lied about it. Yes. Up until the created... film's release. They created a fake actor called yes. Lutz Ebersdorf or something like that. Had his own uh, IMDb page. Yeah, with one credit. Yes. And they continue to lie about it. 
And then yes. after it came out, they said, well, we were never intended to trick anybody. <sighs> Whatever. You guys are such liars. What, what's the point? All it does is take, are you embarrassed? Do you not feel like you have a good movie? Doesn't right. this take focus away from the great performances or the good dancing right or the whatever right what's the point i don't know what the point was um i i think it was weird i think it was like they were like oh look over here don't look over there um like i don't know weird like coven juju or something like what i, I don't know like they thought like some of the magic of the movie would go away if everybody knew it was Tilda Swinton playing the old man or something like that. You take the magic away in the first like 15 minutes when they're all voting on. And then the one uh, kind of mousy girl stabs herself in the throat. Yes. For no apparent reason whatsoever. We don't know. She, she just doesn't can't take being under this oppressive regime anymore. Which is only oppressive because the only thing that these ladies do that's really horrible is... They kill a couple bottles of rosé and get a little loud at yeah. the local restaurant. I know. Which is, that seems kind of a misogynistic take, doesn't it? It, it does. They're just having fun. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I know they're evil cannibal witches, but I'm just right. saying, like, the outward view is, I feel like Luca has gone to more than a few cafes and been like, won't these biddies shut up? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so let's put that in the movie. Is Dakota Johnson a good actress? I can't, I, I have no clue. I... I don't think she really is. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, the character is kind of, like, spacey and dreamy-eyed and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to separate that from her. But I I just... that mm, The clip we saw that was the thing at the end that was her taking our memories away. (laughs) Yeah, there's... (laughs) That was just like really weak sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of this is weak sauce. Did this movie scare you ever? It's I, a horror movie. <laughs> I thought I thought the beginning when Olga gets trapped in the rehearsal room right. and her body is contorted in these weird, horrific ways. Right. That scared me. Yeah. I, um, I get it. It's, 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 it's scary for the first minute and then it goes on for four more. Yeah. And then I think when... Sarah or Zara, however you want to say her name. I think it's Sarah. Uh, Sarah, like she goes down and she's exploring because she's. I have no idea what's happening. Man. I don't know what's happening, happening either, but yeah. it's like I'm terrified that she's going to get found out that the coven is going to, you know, attack her somehow. Yeah. So I, I think the scariest part of that was just um, uh, the the sense of dread. You know, ooh, essentially that would be a good thing to build in a horror film. It would. Yeah, well, there's plenty of that in the Argento. So I, I, I don't think there's as much of that in this, but I definitely think when Sarah's kind of snooping around, there's kind of dread, and like there's like this picture on the wall. When she's counting like the a, steps. Yeah, that was a big part of the first one, okay. I, which I think they included just for the hell of it. In this okay, one. well, there's like a painting on the wall, which I think is supposed to be Madame. Madame Blanc and Marcos. And it's got like a gooey frame. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that frame, I felt like they were suggesting it was like human skin or something like or that. Or uterine. Right. Yeah. Um, but that does not get explored at all. Nope. Um, they keep their hooks in a glass display case for also, some reason. Also, hook, super impractical weapon. Yeah. Why would they, what's that for? Except just carrying bodies body around. Out. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> um, 
On the other hand, um, speaking of Sarah, Mia Goth. I think I like Mia Goth. I think she needs a better agent and needs to get into some stuff. She started her career as a model. She is basically a tit delivery system in these weird movies like The Survivalist or A Cure to Wellness or Nymphomaniac or whatever. And I think she's still dating Shia LaBeouf, which is great. No, that's not great. (laughs) Considering her like humble beginnings, I'm fairly impressed when I see her in films. And I think she's really good in this for... You know the little that she gets to do, but well, uh, and I think her and Dakota Johnson were basically the only "quote unquote" dancers in the film who weren't professional dancers, right? Yeah, and they did like a dance boot camp or whatever. Did you get? I only got this because Wikipedia, but that once the spell, the Volk spell, was going, then Dakota Johnson's blue eyes turned brown, and Mia Goth's brown eyes turned blue. I did not catch that at all. Subtext. Wow. Subtext. Okay. Anyway, it's a whole, it's a huge circle jerk. Yeah. And you need a penis to jerk in a circle. So <laughs> this is the most testosterone-soaked woman film since Charlie's Angels. Oh. Send it to the bank. All right. Rating. Rating. I give it one out of five silver hooks. Oh my god. <laughs> they they kill people with safety pins. You fight like a woman. Oh jeez. <laughs> Just a bunch of arty farty bullshit. Um. That's God. right at me. I don't, I don't know what I would one. give it. Maybe I'd give it a two just to be kind of nice. Because of the elements. Yeah. Because it's fairly competently made. You like the Tom York uh, soundtrack. I actually do like the Tom York oh, soundtrack. I think that he's really good at doing haunting sort you. of stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. What if, what if the band Goblin did your music instead? I don't really know them. We'll get to it. Okay. It's coming up. All right. Shh. It's a quiet place. <laughs> I was like, I was like, why are you shushing me? What is? Whoa! Oh, this woman talk. <laughs> See, Suspiria. So you think you can wait? Uh, what is the titular quiet place? Um, the titular quiet place. I believe movie's called the Quiet Place. Yes. Why? Uh, I believe it's the uh basement in the farm so you think it literally refers to something yes like their house is like a quiet the, like place. the way that like mandy is about mandy right so you think the, a quiet place instead of the quiet place a quiet place is or either that or they're searching for a quiet place or it's metaphorical <laughs> it's a me- secret that's a metaphor no. me. yeah I don't think it has to mean anything. And in fact, spoil my review, I think this movie is boneheaded enough that I don't think it does mean anything. Oh. But if I if you forced me to come up with something for yeah. you, yeah. Uh, like the writers of this did when John Krasinski got his hands on the script, uh, I think it would mean that a family that has lost a child can be a quiet place because no one knows what to say to each other. Uh, and they yeah. are estranged from each other because mm-hmm. this movie is about... Family. We did that before. (laughs) Metatextual. Uh, It's about family. (laughs) It's about parenting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's about, you know, losing a a child, too. It's about the death of a a child. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so I think the quiet place is where you you get stuck. Not the sunken place. That's a better (laughs) film. What happens in a quiet place? Uh, A quiet place follows uh, a family. Uh, There has been... 
so it's like day 89 i think when we come in <laughs> I did, yeah just pick a number um of like it's like post-apocalyptic um and there are these creatures we don't know where they came from or they developed maybe they're aliens maybe they developed some they are some creatures that developed on earth somehow i don't know but they are blind heavily armored but they have a keen sense of hearing it's sound yeah it sounds says the new york daily post yeah come on post you can do better than that right out of the silent planet right. silent spring says new york daily post splattered in blood <laughs> So, They're the ones that come up with the pun. I, I know. I know. It's sound. I know. I guess the pun guy died. <laughs> he was killed. He was walking down the street. He was going, making too much noise. I got some great puns for the time I got. Yeah. So these things will like appear out of nowhere. Um, yeah. When, yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. If, these you're, if you make gigantic sound. Gigantic Cloverfield monsters. And by the way, yes. this was originally developed as a Cloverfield film. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, so. I bet J.J. Uh, Abrams is kicking himself now. Right. So still, still paramount. Though. Yeah. Well, we see. So we see a family, uh, two parents and three kids, and they're in the. No, sub- no, no. You are you are giving a recap. We don't want the recap. People either they watch this or they don't. You know, you're trying to give me what what happens in the film. I guess when I say what happens, what's the film about? Okay. Well, early on in the film, they lose a kid because he's making noise. Uh, Good. And then. Uh, so the rest of the film is kind of dealing with that, but also uh, Emily Blunt's character becomes pregnant. So there's kind of like these new fears because how do you keep a baby quiet? Um, and uh, one of their kids, their daughter, is she happens to be deaf, so they use a lot of ASL, uh, and that's how they communicate with each other. They don't wear shoes. They live on a farm. Um so they're able to kind of sustain themselves with food that they grow and sometimes they go fishing too. So, uh, but they basically are trying to survive in the most quiet way possible on this farm. Yes. Uh, and they, there's really a, a, a attention to detail in <laughs> that part of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, in that everything they do is like, they answer all your questions. I was very satisfied as somebody who, because I got to say, it's a good, basic, simple, yet good premise. Yes. Because it's taking yeah. one away one of those things that we all rely on every day, which is making noise. Right. You know, or just hearing things. Mm-hmm. And so we can all put ourselves in the lives of these people who have to, you know, not wear shoes. Although yes. I'd argue you could probably wear a shoe. I know. Like a gum shoe type thing. But right. they take our slippers. You said moccasins, moccasins. when we were watching yeah. that. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um you you, you gotta be quiet. Um you what do you eat? You're gonna eat a lot of you're on a raw food diet. Yeah. Because utensils are gonna so they're all eating like lettuce cups full of like tomatoes and stuff like that. There, the there's no playing, ribs. No ribs. <laughs> no <laughs> no, no ribs. chicken wings. Tony Roma's out of business. Yeah. Uh they did like they have a in-ground like oven that they steam some chickens yes. in or something like that or roasted them. Yeah. Um, and then the kids are playing Monopoly. All the pieces are replaced with like uh, Hobby Lobby like uh, soft balls and stuff yes. like that. And Little yeah. pom-poms. They yeah. do roll dice. On a blanket. On a blanket. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine. And so it's just it's things like that. And that part satisfied me until that part didn't matter anymore because it was time to throw down. And they start doing incredibly dumb 
loud things that maybe their little sanctuary has never been challenged. Right. But this guy, the whole thing about Jim is that he's a planner. And it, right. he's a planner so much that it's estranged him from his family. Like, he's a guy who would like work in his basement trying to fix you know his daughter's uh, hearing aid and yes. f- completely be oblivious of the fact that she's growing apart from him. Right. So that being said, once the hammer comes down, why are they all such idiots? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I guess there you wouldn't know. be a movie if, if, if that wasn't true. Right. Or maybe you would find that the monsters are smarter and they raise the stakes. And that was my problem with this is that it's just dumb. Like there is no twist to speak of. And that's fine. I don't think you really need a twist necessarily. But right. the monsters are set up. We know what they do. We never really learn any more about them. And that's, I guess that's fine too. But there's got to be some escalation. And every time there could be an escalation, there isn't. And when five minutes in, we see his workshop and he's got written on a whiteboard after a year and a half of dealing with these it sound creatures, he's got sound, blind, has armor. What's the weakness? That's all you've got in 18 months of thinking about this. I knew that that was there for the dumb audience. And then from here on out, it's just going to be a bunch of things that artificially ratchet the terror up. Yes. So they have the place. She has a baby silently somehow. Somehow. How? I don't know. How? And well, she cuts the umbilical cord herself. Yeah. It, impossible. You can't. I, I just don't understand. But we've decided that's what happens in the movie. And so it happens off screen. Mm-hmm. Then they put her in the quiet place. And you named it. We're just going to say that's the quiet place. Mm-hmm. They put her down there. And they'd just be safe forever, right? Yeah. Like they can't hear them. It's fine. Right. But- no, a pipe breaks somehow, and so it fills with water, and then also yeah, one of the how. things is down there when she wakes up. Yeah. How did it get down there? The steps. Did it hear the water rushing? I think that's what it heard. Okay, but we spent a lot of time setting up that they At don't care waterfall? about the sounds of water. I know. So why would this one suddenly care about the sound of water? So it's just a movie takes all that time to set its premise up and then just sits and violates it all at once just to create these sort of like... Tension. What kind of trouble could kids get in on a farm? I know. Grain, grain entrapment. Silo. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most thrilling grain entrapment scene of 2018. I know. Yeah. It's disappointing. Okay. And honestly, the guys that wrote it, uh, Flippy and Dippy, Brian Woods and Scott Beck or whatever, they've never done anything good before this. Oh, really? They just made a bunch of kind of independent films that weren't all that great. Um, maybe garnered a little... Uh, uh, um, buzz or whatever and then they decided to write a horror film it got picked up and john krasinski was like i could do that and then he did his rewrite on it now i don't know what their original one was like i'm sure it had the monsters in it yeah i think he added all the family and fatherhood stuff okay you know and so we've got that is it well directed i guess i never really there weren't any parts where i went that sucks but no i don't really know how he i know that they worked very hard on the sound design, but there are a lot of elements of the sound design that I found to be inconsistent. Like when they listen to music? Like when the parents listen to music? No, I think that was just a chance for them to add sound Neil Young in there or whatever. Yeah, okay. And share a moment or whatever. Um, But there's never, there's, you create an emotional rift and you have to heal it. And -hmm. it's healed very extremely by him dying. (laughs) Right. In an echo of the earlier scene where the old man, you know, commits suicide out of despair or whatever, he's right. doing it to protect his kids. I get it. But you've got the they're supposed to be uh estranged, which is achieved by her just acting like an asshole. Right. His relationship with his wife is great, apparently. Yeah. They love each other and they just lost a kid and they're gonna have another and they can dance to Neil Young. Like Yeah. It's 
emotionally uh, underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. It is the opposite of complex. It is simple emotionally, you know, which I is disappointing because that. this entire thing, other than the Cloverfield monsters, hangs on the relationship of the family. That's true. That's very true. So the little girl's not an actress, you can tell, but for not being an actress, she's okay. The little boy is an actor and he won't stop acting. <laughs> He's just continually terrified the entire film. And it's like, yeah. kid, your face is going to freeze like that. Relax <laughs> it a little bit. It's sound. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, um, I I thought that, you know, the family using ASL, that was a nice touch. Um, <sighs> it was never not good. Actually, it was not going to be that at one point. And then okay. I think they brought her on and they were like, okay, let's go whole hog. The whole right. thing's going to be ASL. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought the stuff about family, um, I think the stuff about a baby being able to be quiet, holy cow, more fiction. Than That's a, just so much fiction. And then like they put the little oxygen mask on the baby and I'm just kind of like, Oh, it just doesn't. And then they put the box cover on the baby. That's a good idea. That it, would get it high and it would, you know, but it's going to affect its brain development. I, it just doesn't sit well with me. They have no plan. No. What's the plan? Yeah, there's no plan. It's and only like, to provide how are you Jeopardy. Teach the baby to be quiet. Either Krasinski or Woods and Beck was like, she gives birth in a bathtub. That's got to go in there. Right. And then when they sat and thought about, well, wait a minute. What are the logistics of this? How could, if there's going to be a sequel, how are they going to make it in this world with a squalling kid? I know. It's suicide. I know. His pullout game, his weak pullout game has doomed them all. <laughs> also, they attack anything that makes sense. Their control game. Is, yeah, right. They're yeah. always raiding pharmacies. Yeah, I know. Uh, also, this is a this is a this world's going to look like the road in a couple years because these yeah things, for sure these things kill already. anything that makes sound. Yes. So that includes animals, yes. birds. It's just going to be people going shh and nothing to eat. I know. They're going to be eating that baby pretty soon. I'll stop it. Fatten it up. Oh, I mean, it's an engrossing. That. It's an engrossing conceit, and I can see how it's supposed to be obliquely about helicopter parenting or whatever. But unsatisfying. Is it scary? Um, I think the monsters are scary. I I think. I think we see too much of them. Really? By the end of the film, first they're all in shadow. By the end of the film, you're just. I could make a 3D drawing of it, you know, it's just... Well, that's true. Yeah, and part of that has to do with they're really proud of the head segmented head type thing. And I admit that's cool, but I still don't see how Buckshot's going to kill it, that thing. (laughs) I I, I feel like if she shot it, like, right in the mouth, then it would, like, kill it, or the ear, the center of the ear. Yeah. Uh, Talk into this. Where it's, like, really gooey. Yeah. uh, And it doesn't have the armor. But yeah, um, I think it would be extremely difficult to to buckshot one of those things. I think Krasinski did an okay job, but I think that as a this is not a film for a first time director. I think this is like his third film that he directed. Technically, I mean, it's all technical. I mean, well, then it he's it's his third film and it, he, he looks like a first time director. Okay, <laughs> so that's not good. Sure. Um, I know it's a scary movie. Um, Bloomhouse is not involved in this one. No. But how do you have soundtrack jump scares in a movie about silence? Oh. Come on. You can't come up with anything else. I know. That's just so basic. Yeah. 
It, it's very basic, but I mean, like when their son was hiding underneath the tractor and the daughter was walking towards the, the flashlight that he had dropped. And then he reaches out his hand and grabs her. I just so it, you've got you literally have Cloverfield monsters in this movie, and mm-hmm. that's all you can come up with. Yeah. A hand, a bloody hand on the window. I know. Brr! I know. In a movie that, it, it, plus you read, I've read a lot of interviews about this movie, and you can just see the breakdown of the creative process. Because at first it was like the whole thing silent, and then it's like. Well, we didn't want to like do an experiment in a silent film or whatever, right? Uh, and then it's like we're gonna we're never gonna subtitle the ASL. And then it's like, well, then we how do we get across to. "I always love you" to Whitney Houston or whatever? Right. So if you're gonna do one, you got to do them all, and it's just a right. bunch of compromises, right? <sighs> plus, plus, that... there's a lot of signing in like the first forty five minutes, and then nobody signs after that. Well. At one point, when they're in the quiet place or what have you, um, like they just start talking. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt just start talking to each other, and that doesn't attract them. I don't get it. Here's the biggest fiction: they've got a ton of electricity, unless they live near and and they're in the Catskills, right? So I don't know if they're near like a the Catskills is tough. Uh, I don't know if they are. uh, I don't know why I became Henny Youngman for a second. Uh, I don't know if they're near like a nuclear power plant, which could theoretically run for another couple months or years on its own. Right. They've got a generator. And if there's one thing that a generator does. Make noise. (laughs) Right. It would be swarmed constantly. Even like, uh, I thought it was a nice touch with the lights. Like they're white most of the time, but if there's trouble, I guess red means trouble. But then what do you do? Sprint through the cornfield to get to the house? I know. I don't care how much sand there is. Yeah, I know. Just your arms. These things can hear like bats. They can hear so well that they can hear feedback from a little tiny uh, cochlear implant Yes, that you just huffing and puffing and running that no sound. No. Inconsistent. It is inconsistent. Yeah. And, the, and if you didn't care and you just like zombie movies where they eat your brain or they eat their flesh or whatever, sometimes it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They took so much. They showed us they cared so much and then they just kind of went, well, we got to do a lot of other stuff and they just kind of dumped it all. Yeah. This movie made so much money. I know it did. It made like $380 million worldwide. I know. That's crazy. It is crazy. We, there will absolutely be a quieter place. Yes. Well, and I think I read that um, Krasinski will be directing it. And, yeah. And, well, now he's got free time. And em- <laughs> Emily Blunt will be in it, but it is going to focus on somebody else. Oh. Yeah. It would not be cares. a sequel to the first film. I don't Look. Look, man, we're talking about the best stuff. We just got done saying how great horror has gotten. Yeah, I know. This isn't it. No, but so many people love this. And all the critics there was so much buzz around it. Stroking themselves over it. I know. And I'm just saying, look a little deeper. Well, and I think you know what you said that that the concept is 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 good, Um, and you know, fairly original. I think that they. They didn't look past that. That's what I think. Um, or that listen they, past it. Right. Well, like it, they, that got them hooked, and then they they were like, "This is it." Yes. So. Speaking of yes. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a film uh, that is like a prog rock uh, album cover come to life. Okay. It is the film Mandy. Yes. It was directed by Panos Cosmatos. Mm-hmm. And written by him and Aaron Stewart on 
Yes. What happens to Mandy? Uh, so what happens to Mandy is I've seen all good people's turn. No, sorry, go ahead. Um, we are introduced to Mandy and her husband, who I believe is Red. Uh, or the whole married? film's the or whole film's girlfriend. Red. Okay, sorry. Her her, her, her bo- I know her boyfriend, whose name is Red, played by Nicolas Cage, um, and she's into Black Sabbath. She reads a lot of these fantasy books, and she does kind of. This is a great setup for what happens in the film. Well, I will get there. <laughs> she she does kind of like mythical fantasy like drawing, uh, and he like works as a i don't know what would you call it like, logger come on a logger in the film okay <laughs> so um they're basically just living their lives as you know uh and this cultist group has the leader has noticed mandy and he tells one of the members that he needs this girl it's like she called out to him or what have you right so they get this alien or like this beefed up this biker gang from hell they get them to help kidnap mandy <laughs> it's kind of like uh what's his name with a text cop character in uh or in uh raising arizona I, the biker from hell you know <laughs> i don't remember that part that's like the whole movie. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, it's like that only with uh, an S and M fling. I kind of yeah. think of like their, um, like Hellraiser on wheels. You know. Yeah, that's Cena, a good way of putting Cena it. Cenobikers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they help kidnap her and they tie him up outside with like barbed wire, uh, and they like drug her somehow and everything and like they stick a wasp in her neck yeah it's a weird huge wasp thing and and then like they introduce her to jeremiah who is the leader jeremiah sand yeah jeez he's a leader of the cult and he's like talking about how he just had to have her and that she's like super special and that he's special too and he looks like buffalo bill in spock's robe from star trek yes. 4 and I he think just that's gives, a direct reference. Yes, it's a it's a robe with uh with shoulder Flares. pads. Yeah, yes. yeah, flared shoulder pads and like the st- embroidered stripes. Yes, and he gives this huge long speech, and he like takes off his robe, and he's naked, and he's like, you know, this is me, this is who this I is am. The pinnacle of the right. Yeah, and she just laughs at him. Right, and this drives him nuts right toxic yeah and then they return to her home she's in like a laundry bag or something a duffel bag they were were they they were always in their home right that was their home i thought they were at the cultist home and then they brought her back so when we see the cultists in situ for the first time we don't get us it feels like a trailer to me it's a very cramped Although there are multiple rooms, but it could be like an airstream. And when he goes later to the quarry, we see that they have a trailer. So I just always assume yeah. that they live there. When they he is giving her the monologue about his album or whatever, yeah. there's 
high ceilings and there's the supports and stuff like that, which are, of course, set up to give him kind of a halo. It's a good shot composition. Yeah. And I just assume that that's we know that they live in a a cabin-y type thing, which weird window. All the walls are all windows. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But anyway, I just assumed that they were there. But I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a lot of traveling for a death cult. Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Regardless, they, they put her in a bag and tie her up. And they set fire to her in front of Red. And they are basically laughing as she burns. Uh, And uh, they leave him for dead. They give him a fatal wound, they think, with like a dagger or something. It's a symbolic wound more than anything else. Yes. Because they they talk about sacrifice and they stab him in the side. Yes. He is able, he gets himself out. Later that night. You just described what happens in the well, well, And then he goes on a roaring rampage of revenge. The end. Yes. Okay. Only not the end. The beginning. Right. I've heard... There, okay. So I wouldn't normally send you to another podcast. Right. <laughs> or outlet. Yeah. Uh, or or specifically to this one in general. Okay. But Wisecrack recently released a video about Nicolas Cage, and it focuses mostly on Vampire's Kiss. But it's okay. also, is this guy any good or not? Okay. And I don't think, I think that's a false dichotomy. It's the kind of, are millennials going to kill your face? Uh, It's that kind of thing that gets you reading, but maybe there's something in the article. Right. Uh, And the answer is, yes, he is a genius. And it talks (laughs) about his um, process and about, I don't think he called himself this, but I've heard him described as Western Kabuki. Really? Yes. And he approaches it like that. If you look at his early roles... He's very much, um, he's a little comedic. I mean, Valley Girl, whatever. He's comedic, he's all dramatic, and he's taking it seriously. And then, like Picasso, who mastered the sort of photorealistic style, you know, of the realists, you know, in his uh, school days and in his early days as a painter, mm-hmm. was like, I beat the game already, so I'm going to change the game. And now he's putting two eyes on the side of your face, and he's doing all this, and he's playing right. with uh, shapes and, and line and stuff like that. And that's what Nicolas Cage... Now, I don't know if he's doing that still. I think that at this point in his career, he's just paying off his taxes. Right. And he's trading on his, you know, thriller, cop, uh, also crazy guy, um, lawnmower man. Not lawnmower man. What is it? Wicker man. Yeah. Uh, although, I'd watch that. Uh, Wicker man passed. Um, but that being said, uh, I think that he is... A very good actor. I think he's so good, he left it behind a long time ago. Sure. Like a Brando, for instance. Sure. Brando was the scion of this Strasbourg Stanislavski school on film. Uh And he beat the game so early that he's like, oh, whatever, I'm going to just do this. And I'm not going to learn my lines anymore. And I'm going to gain a million pounds and like show up not having read the script and... I'm not always saying it's good. Right. (laughs) The end point of that kind of artistic thinking, but... Absolutely, I agree. And I think we see a lot of the old Nick in this movie, and Mm -hmm. I do mean the devil. Yeah. I would agree with you. Right. Um, I I really enjoyed this film. It's great. Yeah. Uh, It's great because it's nothing more than what it is. No, and it's 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 not pretentious at all. It doesn't no, we've try seen to be two anything, films that are isn't. trying to be something. Although I guess I'd argue that a quiet place is what it is too, and I don't think that it accomplishes what it wants to be. But mm-hmm. this absolutely does not try to be much, and ends up being so much more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with well, first of all, I should mention the soundtrack by uh, Johan Johansson, 
uh, who did pass away. This uh, came I, out after his he, death. Yeah. But he I did a that. lot of uh, Vill- Villeneuve's films. And it's that sort of like, it's kind of kind of like a Vangelis for the 21st century, you know, kind of like an atmospheric, synthy Very kind atmospheric. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird in a movie that is ostensibly about rock album covers. Yes. <laughs> You'd expect this to be just a blazing guitar thing. Yeah. And it's not, and it still works. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. And also just, you know, whatever the good stuff that Cosmatos is on. Yeah. You know, he's the son of a filmmaker. His dad was uh, George Cosmatos. Okay. Who did direct Tombstone. Okay. And apparently this film was funded from DVD residuals from Tombstone. Oh, really? Tombstone, uh, uh, look, I'm not going to, there's a lot of good Westerns. It's okay. It's fine. Sure. It's really kind of bloated, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Sure. Uh, a good director, Cobra. He directed Cobra. Ah! Now, can you see cinematic dna from cobra to this yes i can yeah absolutely absolutely and that's what we're dealing with yeah here. before this he made one other film called beyond the black rainbow which it's not bad but i don't know if i can tell you to watch because it really? is almost nonsensical have you seen it yes it okay. is extremely weird imagine if you took the relatability of guy's wife's killed gonna go kill some rednecks take that out what's left you are cast adrift in a, it's not even neon, you know, in a, right. a impressionist sea right. of God knows what uh-huh. and 80s vibes. <laughs> right. It's said in 1983 um, because it's like, oh, it's 1983, but not 1984. Right. Uh, well, and I think that they wanted that, like, I think you called it like heavy metal feel. Yeah. Um, I also really relate to it because apparently, and he's, um, he's a Greek filmmaker. Yes. Um, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he apparently, uh, you know, would go to the video store, like it's with his parents, and he wasn't allowed to get, like, movies, or I guess maybe R-rated movies. Okay. So his whole thing would be just looking at the box art, like VHS box art in the <laughs> 80s, and imagining what those films, what, what, what was be. in these films. That is exactly, that is exactly my experience. Really? And so, and v- 1983 is apparently, like, the first time he went to video attic the store that like you know it was influential for him sure so it's just like yes there isn't a lot of substance to this but i can see that idea of him recreating these murky tableaus you know and these like shot through with like neon uh, sort of scapes sure um when he rides off at the end and it pulls back and it's like he's on the moon i guess (laughs) right you don't even question it at that point no well and it it reminds me, I feel like it harkens back to like him and Mandy have this conversation about what their favorite planets are and why. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it kind of harkens back to that and then like her reading the fantasy novel and like I'm sure in a lot of fantasy novels maybe there's a planet that has like two suns or oh, yeah, like sure. multiple moons or something like that. Yeah, and you um, made a good point when we were discussing this off the air that like it, her her love of this made up novel that she's reading. Yes. I was going to say it seems incidental. It is kind of incidental, but it does tell you a lot about her character. Yeah. You know, they're these kind of like, I'm guessing like, I mean, they're both playing younger than they are, but like mid thirties kind of wash out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hippie burnout type things. Yeah. Who are like probably too young to be real life hippies. But, you know, she's like, a, she designs, um, designs for panel vans that you'd spray on <laughs> airbrush on a van right uh or like looks like she's like a book artist herself you know uh-huh. i don't know if she's a pro or if she just does this for fun right and yeah and so the once he loses her 
it seems like he's c- connected sort of to her world because they're a couple. But once he loses her, maybe he starts to think about her and ruminate on her and the more drugs that he takes. Yes. And then we get these weird cartoon cutaways that are like a heavy metal movie. Yes. Which are like maybe him imagining her as the hero of this thing where she's grabbing the gem or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, it's just like, and it doesn't matter. Like, A Quiet Place would spend a lot of time telling you why that's important. Right. It doesn't matter at all. It's just there in between scenes of bloody murder. Yes. (laughs) Which is really what's on sale here. Yeah. And I have to say, maybe I've watched too many of these films. Maybe it's intentionally derivative, but it's predictable but fun. Mm-hmm. I felt like I knew how every one of those people was going to die. Yeah, I mean, like you could you could definitely guess and be fairly certain. But yeah, by yeah. the time you get to the end, I'm like, well, somebody's falling on a chainsaw. That's going to happen, right? Then you see the one guy, and I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like axe sailing through the air impales him. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then the old lady's like, well, I'll suck your dick. And I was like, and then the next scene, I'm like, we're gonna see a head come flying in yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> I did not predict that uh, he would turn the last guy's head into a Halloween mask. Yeah, I know, <laughs> by right? Just, just atomizing the skull inside. Yeah. Suddenly he's a you know a Captain Kirk mask. Right. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's pretty it great. Was, it was very satisfying. Uh, to like. You know, he's he's there getting revenge and it's it's so bloody and it's so gory, but like you just kinda root for him, yeah. you know? And like you're 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 excited, you're happy for him for reaching <laughs> his goals. And also killing these horrible just ready to be bullseyes on their faces, like ready to go. No redeeming qualities. Yes. Uh the worst kind of uh, hey, you're gonna suck my dick because I'm a I'm a cult leader and I'm a failed musician. You're like right. just counting down to when this guy, you know, gets his uh, skull atomized. Yeah, but, yeah, satisfying. I was trying to think. Oh, oh and um, Galactus reference. That's two Galactus references. Uh, one in Vice and one in this. Oh, really? Uh, from films last year. So I don't know if it's That's people weird. are letting their uh, Marvel flags fly or what. Yeah. But, um, I was trying to imagine. Th- Going off of that whole like movies of the 70s and 80s, um, Cosmatos' sort of background and stuff, like it reminded me of not the same themes, but like a modern straw dogs, you know, or like a throwback type thing. And like who you would cast in this if this was somehow made with a lot less violence and a lot more opaque blood, like in the 70s or uh, early 80s. Sure. And it was like, well, David Carradine is the, uh, the, is the guy. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. like Peter Fonda. Maybe. I can see Peter Fonda doing it. Sure. Um, Shelley Duvall, you know, would be... Uh, Mandy. Uh, would be Mandy, uh, uh-huh. the uh, Riseborough character. Uh, but I was like, who could replace Nick Cage? Yeah, I don't know. That's a pa- big question. Yeah, a huge part of it is him being like, yeah, all right, sure. And then like... Just rage. Ah! Ah! Yeah. And then just being covered in blood and having a blank stare on his face. Yes. And then in the next scene, he's like, <laughs> a big smile. Yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't, that person, did that person exist in the 70s? Yeah. That's like a good question. My knee jerk response is try to, to jam Elliot Gould in there, but no way. That's not what we're talking about here. No. No. Jack Nicholson, probably. Yeah. Maybe Jack Nicholson. Sure. I could see him doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, it's just The Shining only with right. Peter Fonda in it for some reason. Right. Peter Fonda is 
Scatman Crothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't look anything alike. I'm not a racist. But no. uh, there is a black guy in this. Uh, yes. Bill Duke's in this. Yeah. For like 10 seconds. Yes. And it's like, oh, Bill Duke. Thank God you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while, buddy. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it, it's funny because, he, you know, one of his most famous roles is like a movie where they're going to hunt something or something hunting them. And then he goes to him to go, I got to go hunting. Yeah, and I he know. He gives him a crossbow. Yeah. It'd be cool if he would take this, pulls out a minigun. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, and then he tells him about the killer bikers and yeah. Yes. It's uh, weird, weird good stuff. Yeah. Uh, before I do my uh, piece de la resistance, uh, any other thoughts about Mandy? Um, uh, I just want to note, after I asked you, yeah. uh, we had a movie uh, that is a remake of a very colorful film yes. and a movie that's supposed to be tense and scary. This is more tense and scary than A Quiet Place and had way more color than Suspiria. Yeah, I would agree with both of those. Um, I just, I guess my one of my things was and it's probably not an issue but he does leave like one girl from the cult alive yeah i just hope she doesn't go to the police or anything at this point he's literally on a, another planet at the end of the film I guess. after having taken the crazy um super powerful lsd so yeah i could see him becoming a killer biker himself only like a yes. ghost rider figure that ghost rider, rider. Uh, yeah. who just cruises the highways and you know writes wrongs and stuff like I that. I can see that for sure. Gets into chainsaw fights. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um predictable but fun, you know, the whole thing has got a real cr- the craziest Instagram filter on it yes. and looks like a white zombie video but in a good way. Yes. And if this is if he just does another 10 of these, it'll probably get old but I'm I'm riding high. Yeah. On that good stuff right now. Yeah. As far as this goes. It was, I, I think it was really well done. Uh, like you said, it's not pretentious at all. And uh... mm, it's it's aware that of its pretense. Okay. And then the one character that literally is pretentious in the film has like, you know, everything belongs to me and I'm really yes. great. Nobody understands that. Yes. Is just obliterated. So. I know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, okay, so here's the secret sauce. Are you ready? Yep. So the connection is Goblins. Goblins? Yes. The prog rock band Goblin did the soundtrack for Suspiria. This is kind of a stretch. Yeah, this is kind of a stretch. But the Cloverfield monsters are kind of goblins in a quiet place. (laughs) And in this movie, you've got Cheddar Goblin. I know. (laughs) It's Goblin Good. I know. (laughs) That was so great. I mean,. It was like like they left the TV on. The cultists left the TV on. <laughs> and he comes back into yes. his house after Mandy has been just incredibly incredibly dead. Yeah. <laughs> incredibly dead. Um and he just kind of stumbles in and the Chatter Goblin ad is playing. <laughs> yeah. And we he watches the whole thing. So we see the whole thing and it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh but you can't help but laugh at it. No. And it it's kind of I kind of, you know, I appreciate that they they put that in there because it was kind of like a release of tension. Yes. Um, and I think we needed it at that point. Otherwise, maybe it could would have been even bleaker. So yeah, we we need uh, we need a more Cheddar Goblin. In our yeah, lives. yeah, we do. Yeah. So uh, okay, so what I wanted to do to yes. wrap this up is, I'm again. Just like the Bill Duke thing, not being racist, just because you're from Greece doesn't mean you make movies in a certain way. Right. But I have this theory that George, not George, his son, Panos Cosmatos' films and his aesthetic aren't that different from that of our favorite Grecian filmmaker, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yep. In that 
Yes. One is realistic and desaturated and kind of bleak, and the other is sumptuous and operatic. Mm -hmm. But I think there's more there. There's still an attachment, an emotional detachment that's present. Right. And there's a whole lot of weird stuff. Yes. Oh, before we totally wrap it up, also, um, cults kind of tie all three of these together. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's the a Coven cult in is kind of a cult. Again, Quiet Place is the outlier, but it is about a character being like, you want me to be this way? We have to do all these things. And I don't want to do the, all these things because I'm a, you know, 10-year-old. Right. Also, idiot. <laughs> You're going to get eaten. Right. Uh, but maybe there's, maybe we should do something else. Yeah. And breaking out of that, not hiding and using your hearing aid, your Manufactured by uh, Deus Ex Machina Corp. Yeah. Uh, will help you kill them monsters. Oh, boy. Yeah, anyway, so let's get to the good stuff. So we're okay. going to play Bingos Lanthimos. That's right. Our patented pending game that uses the uh, elements of a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Yes. And we rate it on our Yorgos Lanthimos scale. Yes. Which we need to come up with a better name for. And sometimes we apply it to other films. Uh-huh. And we're going to do that now. Yes. What's the first square on the Yorgos Lanthimos bingos card? You can play along at home. Yeah. Uh, it is unsexy sex. I don't feel like we have this in this film. A guy takes his Spock robe off and his dingus is just hanging around and then he can't get it up because she, you know, laughs at him. She humiliates him. Okay. And he deserves to be. Yeah. And then he tries to start jerking it and it's really gross. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Come right. on. All right. Play okay. the game right. All right. Next square. Stilted dialogue. Uh, so this is going to go into our thing where we still need to come up with like a better sort of term, you know, with that and the push and pull with like flat effect, which we'll get to. Um, <clears throat> can you think of any examples of stilted dialogue? I feel like the characters are um, fairly erudite in the film, but mm -hmm. maybe not. I feel like they can speak pretty pretty well i mean i would say that the guy and we haven't even talked about the acid guy oh my god we'll i know. get there we'll get there i know uh maybe him maybe but i feel like the characters are terse but i don't think that counts as stilted i would agree with that well you just don't want to give it a square no i don't say that all right then move past uh head trauma <laughs> Come on, uh man. yeah there's lots of head trauma there's a lot of yeah everything trauma um adults acting like children um, okay, so how do you want to define that? I guess it's up to me to make a case, or you could, or you could try to refute my case. I mean, she kind of lives in a fantasy world. She does. I think what's your favorite planet is like, I feel like that's a kind of like kids around the campfire kind of thing. It sort of infantilizes them to make them seem they're both 40 like young and innocent 50 year old actors yeah but it makes them innocent and it makes it worse when the boot comes down yeah i would agree with that okay although they aren't like pop scotching or something no but if that happened in a what is your favorite planet mine is jupiter i like jupiter i have stickers of jupiter on my bed right. <laughs> you would believe that that's in a yoga slant yes movie. yes um making up a game this is a good one yeah I don't know. I could make all kinds of arguments about how religion and ritual are like games, but I don't know if that is true exactly. Yeah. What's your favorite planet is kind of a game, but come on, man. Yeah. Um, the father um, killing starlings is a game. <laughs> wow. 
not a fun one. No. Uh, I mean, him killing the cultists is kind of a game. It's murder is a game to the cultists. Right. But yes. I don't know. Okay. I don't I think, think so. I don't think so either. If if you think about games like, you know, and the games in Yorgos Lanthanus movies are usually um, manipulations designed to get somebody something. Right. You've got a cult that takes what they want, which is a woman, and you've got a guy that wants them all dead. And so, right. no, I don't think there's a game. Okay. Uh, violent punishment. That's yeah. definitely a yeah, yes. Got that one. Uh, body horror. I would say <laughs> Absolutely. yes. Uh, inane discussion about material objects. Um, there, you know, the aforementioned planet discussion is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. Yeah, it is. Uh, they talk about, um, her book mm-hmm. and it's not That's true. And it, it is inane because it isn't like she says like, and the thing about the heroine in this book is I really feel like she's me. I identify. No, it isn't it's just, like that's oh, your book. That's pretty good. It's the kind of book I like to read. Oh, cool. Right. You got that. You have instances of things like that. Um, um, about material objects though. Um, Oh, a book isn't an object. Well, no, a book is, but I'm just trying to think of like other things. Um, Did you know that Cheddar Goblin has 60% more cheese than the leading brand? Okay, right. (laughs) I find that to be fairly inane. All right, we'll mark it down. (laughs) Or are we confusing inane inane with banal? Maybe. You just agree with everything I say. So agree with this and it's a name. Okay, fine. (laughs) Next one is flat effect. Yeah. And the opposite, but definitely flat effect. And then what is the most affect? Yeah, I know. Uh, Ben Affleck, of course. Right, of course. Uh, Bribery. I'll give you a (laughs) blowjob. Yep. Yep. Got it. Yep. Okay. Awkward dancing. At least you didn't say head. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, awkward dancing. Not really. Nobody really dances in that. Well, you know, at the end, in the pit or the sanctuary or whatever, the guy's doing something, but it's not rhythmic. I wouldn't really call it dancing. No, I wouldn't really either. Okay. Is there a scene where, no, there's the one sort of flashback or hypothetical scene where he meets Mandy in the bar, but they're both sitting down. Yeah. And people behind him aren't really dancing. Yeah. Look, I'm playing it straight. I know you are. Okay, so no. Uh, misnaming things or people. Now I gotta think. A lot of the dialogue goes by, and you don't necessarily focus on it. Not because it's not interesting, but you know it's cuckoo weird, and you figure you won't really have to. It won't be important. Right. <laughs> but now it is important for my stupid game. <laughs> what is the gurgly face biker call him before? Seems like she's a girl. Before she tries to kill him. She says something. She calls him something. I can't remember. I could play the religion card and say yeah. that he must call something his sacrifice or sacrament. He yells at himself in the mirror. Yeah, I know. And he says, you're a big don't boy. You, don't you ever, like, like distrust yourself or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's got that Tony Robbins too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the purpose of expediency, let's say no. Okay. What was the other thing again? What's the exact wording? Let Misnaming me get... things or people. Misnaming a person. 
Nah, I don't think so. No. Uh, free space. Okay. Then identity erasure. I mean, it is a cult. Yes. Do you feel like the girl that he makes play Russian roulette has much of a personal identity? I don't. The bikers definitely were regular people until they took their souped up LSD and just yeah. became hell on wheels. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're going to not give me that one, you got to give me this one. All right. Self-mutilation. The bikers have like weird spikes Spice. to themselves yeah. and they're all yeah goofed okay. up. Inappropriate family interaction. I mean, do we count the cult as a family? They call themselves a family. We don't know if they're related, though. No. If there was one line where the guy with the receding hairline was the girl's dad or something like that. Right. It's never made clear, though, so. American culture intrusion. It's in America. Yeah. Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar Goblin? You think so? Yeah. Okay. And it's called like Draft Foods or something like that. It's a total parody of like craft. Yeah, I know. Uh, next one is stickers. Okay. So we go to this. And personally, the funny thing is, is this is so weird. It's something that must, it's suggested to exist in the film. Mm-hmm. In the Wikipedia, they leave it out of the Wikipedia summary because it, it's just so, it has nothing to do with anything. I know. But somehow he gets a line on, this is the character, this is, it's like in, um, it's like in Kill Bill 2, when she's looking for Bill, and she mm-hmm. goes to the brothel, and we see the other Michael Parks character, and he's like, I am Esteban, the insensitive pimp character. Right. And it's like, is she going to kill this guy? No, it's just a weird interlude on the way to the next thing. Yeah. She, he goes to the lab where this super awesome acid is made and there's a tiger in a cage. Yes. <laughs> and it's like this Iggy Pop looking guy. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage never says a word, but the guy's like reading his mind or just his expression. Yes. And it's just basically like, oh, man, don't kill me. He's oh, like, no. oh, man, they really wronged you. And he looks at the tiger. Yeah. Oh, they wronged you. You're right. You're right. Even lets the tiger go. Yeah. Which represents letting the beast off the leash, I guess. Because yeah. Nicolas Cage has the tiger shirt. Right. Uh, and then he's like, okay, you got to go north. And I'll tell you where they are. Well, anyway, the entire time he is making sheets of acid, yep. blotters, which is a piece of paper that you stick on your tongue. Yes. So a piece of paper with something printed on it that you stick on something isn't a sticker. And I don't know what is. All right. <laughs> You're so mad about that. I'm not. I am not. Uh, predatory authority figures. <laughs> yeah. Write that one off. Uh, sadism. <laughs> yes. Just write that off. Sexual fluidity. I would say yes. Uh, well, so, okay, we, we've talked about this before. We never defined if we meant that this was, you know, sexually fluid in terms of orientation. You know, it's like... Somebody who is open sexually or is willing to, you know, give out something sexually. Well, Jeremiah seems kind of open. Sure. This is a sex cult. Yeah. If we, this movie went another 10 minutes, we'd see that guy slip out of the members only jacket and get it on. So I'm going to, I want to give it to this. Okay. Performing. The guy's a Musician? musician, but does he perform in the film at all? He's doing a speech and I want to talk real fast about what you think about. That whole sequence where he is giving the monologue to the camera um, to, to Mandy's face, where we've got her POV, 
and they overlay her face on his. On his, yeah, I, I'm right. I noticed that. What's going on with that? It's super weird, but I think it's kind of supposed to mean like he's trying to connect with her. He's trying to say we are one. They're both tripping balls too, or at least she is. Well, yeah, she's they've drugged her. Yeah. So, and I'm sure he oh, took something. Oh, pack it up. We don't have to change it because we're already past it. But they call the giant wasp that they pull out of a jar and stick into her neck. She literally says, I call this the finishing touch or something like that. Cherry on top. The cherry on top. She calls. Oh, you just sealed the deal. Put the check mark. Misnaming things or people. She calls it a cherry on top. Okay. All right. Yep. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Calm down. Let's finish. So performing oh did we come down on that one way or another i mean isn't it i don't feel like because like wouldn't we have to see him like actually sing oh i see what you mean he's just saying like i wrote this and he plays it all right if you're gonna give me the wasp then i'll give you performing okay fine. <laughs> next one bargaining yeah next one is pets i think that's a definite yes uh, the uh, Bill, what's his name? Duke. Oh yeah. He has a dog. Yeah, that's right. And then a the the acid making guy has the tiger. That tiger. So yeah. I think that's definitely a cool. check. Uh, next one, bathing suits. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> you got me there. Um, there's a guy in his birthday suit. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, no. No. Right. Yeah. Where would that even go? I, I don't know. Uh, last one, actors' heads cut out of shot. Oh, this is something you have to kind of look for specifically. I don't remember this happening at all. Which, what we're saying is we're saying improper framing for yes. artistic effect. Yes. There are a lot of weird framings in this, but there's an actor's head cut off. Yeah. Out of shot. But it's all, and I don't fault him. I, I think it's great, but he's very concerned with the tableau. You yes. know, the picture. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that he would do that. <laughs> Actor's head is squished and shot. Um, so no, I think we had a, a no okay. on this one. So add them up. I will add them up. Well, I sing, Bandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. But you got burned alive by a cult in front of me. So what do we got? Brandy's got a sci-fi 17. novel. Sci-fi. Okay. So the favorite got 19. It's two down from the favorite. Yes. And we did a non another non Lanthanus uh, movie. Performance had 12. Okay. And The Killing of a Sacred Deer also had 17. So Mandy ties with The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I did it. <laughs> it all belongs to me. I did it. <laughs> this is where you say put your pants back on. Put your pants back on. Oh. Good times. <laughs> it got Real, I got real low. You got real low? Yeah, somewhere in the middle of A Quiet Place. I was like, this, why are we doing this? And then we watched Mandy and your like spirits just got lifted. a breath of fresh blood yep. all oh, over wow. you. Yep. So great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did we learn? Um, Where's the state of oh boy. horror in 2019? Um, I, I think we are creating, I think there's more horror being created I think that they are taking it into interesting creative places, potentially. Um, 
But I think, uh, you know, when a movie is just kind of like straightforward and is like, this is what it is, um, I think, I, you know, I enjoy it more. And um, when it, you know, doesn't pretend to be anything that it's not. Uh, and uh, I, I, I never, you know, I didn't. I never thought I would like necessarily like a film that's just kind of like a slasher film, yeah. but it it was really enjoyable. The good guy becomes a monster. It's, right. N- it's Nietzschean. It's he has to become a monster. He literally. I mean, it's not t- trying to fool anybody. No. He literally it takes the same sacrament or like LSD that the bikers did. I'm sure not as much. No. He, and then ends up wearing their costume yeah. at the end and he's got his own signature weapon and he's like cutting people's heads off like he becomes the monster he's trying to fight. Right. Let's not go crazy on, you know, uh, jerking off uh, this movie or any movie for its originality. Okay. All like, right. Th- uh, much of this is intended as a throwback. Like his aesthetic That's is true. rooted firmly in the sort of things that those VHS covers that he saw. Right. And Suspiria itself is a reimagining a of an existing property. Homage. Probably the one uh, original film that we watched was A Quiet Place. And no, even right. in that, Krasinski said, yeah, looking at the camera with a smirk, of course, uh, he said, you know, I drew on all kinds of uh, influences like Alien, okay, No Country for Old Men, what? And In the Bedroom, what? Yeah, I don't get, I don't get that. So anyway, so. Uh, even he is looking backwards, and that's—I'd like to say that that's just there's no new ideas, but you know that's what you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You look for inspirations. You try to make something new. Mm-hmm. Leo's eating a bear's heart or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't anything new under the sun. I guess not. But there is Mandy. There is Mandy. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that we did that. Yes. It's not as spooky as I would have hoped. It seems like horror is not about scaring you. It's just about playing loud sounds. I guess. Sharply. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more horror like the coffee mug that you're drinking out of. What? More the existential horror of oh, Welcome yes. to Night Vale. Sure. Um, dread. Yes. We've really lost Dread and traded it for just buckets of gore. I sound like a very old man, but I think that Mandy shows that you can do both at the same time. And yes. so kudos. I can't wait to see what you're working on next. Um, uh, should we rate um, The no. Quiet Place and Mandy? No. No? Thanks. Okay. I had a real good momentum going in there, but sorry. We're, we're learning every day. Uh, I'll get my axe. Uh, so how does he make an axe in like 20 minutes? I don't know, but it's pretty oh, cool. Yeah, I could smelt, by the way, too. I'm I know. So I don't know. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, did you know that? Uh, <laughs> do you know that his middle name is Kim, Nicholas Kim Coppola? Really? I have, don't know the background. Huh? And I kind of don't want to know. I, I did keeps not the know mystery that. intact, not the bees. Uh, look, if you want to know more about what we think about things like this. And hit the, us with those ats, like I mentioned previously. You can find us on social media at Just Enough Trope on Facebook and Twitter and all those good places. And while you're at it, go on down, get get yourself in to those 
pod catchers. You got some of those pod catchers, sure. and you find our show, you subscribe to it. It's the best way to get the show. It comes to you immediately uh, when it's fresh and hot and, mm-hmm. and bloody and spouting out of your neck. Right. And uh, give us a uh, review. We'd appreciate it because we'd like to know how you think we're doing. And give us a rating, probably the most important part. Mm-hmm. Because when you give us a rating, then we move up in the ranks, especially if it's high. Um, these pod catching things take note. We get exposed to more people, um, not like the um, sand guy, but exposed in a, in a good way, our material. Right. And so right. to that end, give us five. What was it? She had a scar that like she told a the story, I guess. Yeah. Mandy had like this scar. It came down from know? her eye. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to praise Andrea Riseborough. I, she's really great. Yeah. She did a great job. Uh, and it's one of those things where you go, is Dakota Johnson like a restrained performance or is she not awake? Right. And Andrea Riseborough uh, can do anything. Um, she played Stalin's daughter in uh, Death of Stalin and okay. was like just this freaking crazy, you know, uh, lady. And in this, she's just, you know, you got that sense of like, I know a lady like, I've seen a lady like this yes. in a diner, you know, right. like, it's just some clearly like a groovy chick who's a little past her prime and she's reading a, a Pierce Anthony novel and you wonder what's going on there. You right. Know, she just embodied that. So I wanted to make sure that she got her due. Very cool. But you can't stand up to the cage. <laughs> can't do it so uh anyway you don't want to get involved in a discussion like that so give us five stars instead or five moons and planets yes or five cheddar goblins <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about something else so join us and until then i'm your host caliban i'm your co-host Mikan Hana. keep the geek fires burning <laughs>